And a lot of times for people that, you know, if you look at their life, sometimes being in the wrong relationship can really derail someone that can really like delay your destiny and really um, make things difficult for you if you're in a relationship with the wrong person. Even if they say they're Christian, you know, it's like you really even should be investigating that. Like, how committed are you? You know, what what God do you believe in? You know, like is people have other ideas of different ones, you know, like you talking about the uppercase G or you got some lowercase G God. Are you praying to God or are you praying to the universe? Well, which which one? Because they're not yeah. the same. They're, they're not, not the same. same. <laughs> to welcome you to episode 63 of Saturday Conversation. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a video. And if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, hit the follow button and rate this podcast five stars. And with all that being said, happy Saturday. I can't wait for y'all to hear the conversation I just had with Ian and Tierra about Kingdom Conduct. So without further ado, please help me welcome to the conversation, Ian and Tierra Premel. Hey, what's up? Hey. How are y'all doing today? Doing good. Good, good, good. Uh, I'm so excited that we're able to connect our schedule so we can have this conversation. But before we go into this conversation, do you mind introducing yourself to people who don't know you? Um, hi, my name is Tierra, and this is my husband. I'm Ian. Um, we are uh, City Church Chicago uh, members, and we know Edward, and we get to see him around every Sunday. And it's great to uh, it's great to be on the call with you. Awesome. So you said City Church Chicago. How long have you been attending City Church Chicago? I only um, I've been there maybe like. Five years, but Ian's been there. I've, I've been at City Church Chicago for 10 years. Wow, you are OG, Ian. Okay. Yeah. Not, not quite at the start. A little a little afterwards. It was 2012 when I first attended. So, but I do remember when they were putting down, um, like, what just when the, when the church was pretty small. I, I remember that. That's awesome. So what do y'all do for a living? And what do you do? Oh, uh, well, I'm a writer. I am just wrapping up a grad program uh, in that right now. And um, I also do some investing stuff as well. But that's kind of a, that's kind of a low key thing. So that's, it's going pretty well. And uh, yeah, Tierra. Um, I'm an artist and I'm also a, community advocate and just doing all things, uh, 
art and combining art to advance the community, to help children, help people with their personal growth, to help different infrastructure um, and to help businesses uh, connect and strategize to utilize their resources to help community development. That's amazing. And just know these two people here, they're straight prayer warriors. Don't let the whole sweet thing. No, no, they're prayer warriors. If you need, if you need some praying, ask this too. They're going to pray the house down. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So let's just get into the topic at hand. Y'all already know what we're talking about. We're talking about kingdom conduct. So what I realized, Ian and Tiara, is that as believers, we're called to live a life above the standards of the world. Our conduct cannot be the same as the world if we're trying to point the world to Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let us make sure that our conduct does not imitate the world, but that our conduct in, in, imitates the kingdom of God. Because when we do that, we're saying to God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ephesians chapter four, verse one to two says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bearing with one another in love. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with the both of you. So my first question for you before we go into the, the main topic is, how was y'all's upbringing? If you want to go first, Ian, you can go first and you can I'll pass it to Tiara. Uh, yeah, I had a, uh, I, I would say I had a pretty good upbringing. I am from the best place in the world, uh, Hanover Park, Illinois. Um, which if you haven't been, you should go. Um, most people haven't heard of it, but it really is the best place. Uh, and um, for me, what was kind of, it's not necessarily that unique, but what was a little unique about my upbringing was that I was um, constantly going back and forth between houses. Um, like my dad was on one side of Hanover Park and my mom was on the other side of Hanover Park. And it was like every single like like clockwork, like I knew exactly which day I was going to be where. And that was like from as early as I can remember. Um, but but they both attended the same church, uh, which was in uh, was Willow Creek Community Church, which is like the huge, ginormous church. Uh, and so I um was always there a lot. My mom worked at the church. And so it was like, sometimes when I was very young, even with her, she would just bring me there and they had like a daycare and stuff. And I remember watching like animated Bible movies and veggie tales. And so it was, uh, you know, it was like, there. just, um, so they, and they both kind of in their own way were very much actively seeking God and trying to, trying to walk with him. And so I, uh, have kind of a very interesting path for me of like, it was like a broken family, but there was a, still kind of a lot of mercy and redemption in it. Cause everyone was, there wasn't that it, it was a broken family, but there wasn't a lot of contention. Like people were still trying to work together, trying to seek the Lord. There was kind of a peacefulness in the, in the midst of it. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was good. You know, it was, it, for for me, I ended up, you know, 
you know, being a part of a healthy upbringing. So, yeah, here. Um, uh, for me, I grew up in a lot of different places, but I guess like my upbringing starts in like a really small town in a rural part of Illinois, Northern Illinois. <laughs> and I grew up in a very multi-generational household where it was um, me, my sister, my mom, my uncle, which is my mom's younger brother, my granny, my grandma Annie, which is like my great grandma, and then um, my grandfather as well. So it's like all of us in the household and just always a ton of different family members, just like showing up, having a good time, um, lots of cousins. Uh, and even like, I guess what some people would consider like extended family was just like my very like close knit family. Like my great grandmother, her brothers, grandchildren were like the cousins I grew up with. Like, like knowing, like most people don't really know those family members, you know, like your great grandmother's best friends, uh, you know, and then, but that's kind of just like, has been my family's thing. It's just like being very close um, to every family member. And so always getting to be around a bunch of cousins, always um, being at church a lot. My great grandfather um, was a pastor. And so he had actually started a church in his house and, and my great grandmother, their home. And then later on, you know, got a church building and it was just a really big pillar in the community, like that church. Um, Cause we were always doing something like on Sundays, you were there the whole day, like Sunday school, you know, we get in there at 9am. Okay. Sunday's best. Get your stockings on, get your, <laughs> your dress, though, the ruffled socks, you know, little boys in suits, like that whole thing. Sunday school. Then after that, we would have church service. And then after that, like the whole church would eat dinner together in the fellowship hall. And then another church comes and eats with us. And then we have a joint service in the evening after that with both churches. And that was literally like every Sunday you go home, maybe like 10, 11 o'clock. And then um, summertime, like vacation Bible school. And then like every Tuesday, youth nights. And so choir rehearsal, not because you could sing, but because you go to the church and <laughs> you're a child and you need to be in the choir. So that was uh, my upbringing, just like a lot of family, a ton of cousins, um, and then traveling between Northern Illinois and then Chicago, where my father's family's at. Um, my mom being like a young teen mom um, and then my father, he was older, but, you know, still young and just like navigating. So my upbringing was a lot of being there for like seeing those moments of them just like growing up and like learning how to adult. And, you know, I remember going with my mom to college and like, you know, just that whole thing. And then like seeing her like begin a career and like things just flourish, like going from being on, you know, food stamps and like being one of the kids, you know, wanting presents, you know, like on the little Christmas trees that we give to now, you know, but being one of those kids where, you know, being asked, what would you like for Christmas and people donating and helping out. Um, but then like seeing things grow to where my mom was one of the, the women who constantly is giving to other single mothers um, and seeing that like, 
complete transformation that God has done in our life. So that's my upbringing. Oh, that's amazing. Tira, I have a question for you because you say you were in church for like 14 hours every Sunday. And then plus, uh, trust me, I get it. I was, I, I'm a PK. So my yeah. question to you is, did you ever get burnt out from church? And let me, let me tell myself, because I know when I went to college, I went to college seven hours away. I stopped going to church. I still believe in Jesus. Don't get the game twisted. I wasn't dumb. I still believe in Jesus, but I didn't go to church every Sunday as I should have. So did yeah. you ever go through that season that you were just burnt out from this church? Or did you just um, keep pushing through after you left the, I guess, the guidance of your of your family? Yeah, um, I don't remember ever being burnt out. I really remember like wanting to be there like all the time, even when we moved away from that city. Um, cause like I said, my mom ended up, you know, going to college and doing those type of things. I remember like always just asking her, like, can you please like drive me so I can go to church? And she would like drive me like sometimes two hours so I could be there the weekend to go to church. But I think for me, the environment was very, um, there were some parts of it, I guess maybe that were religious, but most of it was very much like just like community, like family, like we're having fun. Like literally all my cousins on my mom's side went to that church for the most part that lived in the area. So it was like a very fun place, like all the Sunday school teachers and like all the people that were involved with the youth, like really made it very fun. And they kind of just were in our lives. It's like, they just showed like how invested they were in us. And they just always were doing different, like very memorable things that I still hold on to today as an adult um, and think about. Um, I have a cousin, though, where he went to a church in the same city, but on the other side. And he like had shared what you expressed, like when he went to college, he felt like he was burnt out. But honestly, I went to their church before and it wasn't like ours. Ours was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. The food was good. And yeah, so... That's kind of it. I think maybe when I was in high school and we moved again and um, there it wasn't required for me to go to church and it, I wasn't going to see my to my family's churches often. And then I remember not going to church as much, but then having a friend in high school where she um, lived with an aunt who required her to go to church. And so then as her friend, she wanted to go by herself. So then she dragged me and then we start, I started going to church again more and then my family started going to that local church. Um, and then that just kind of started things up again, where it's like, you know, having friends, having community, like having cousins, like having other people that you go to church with, I feel like does make it fun. You know, even like when, when I started going to city church, I start the first time I went there was with a friend. And then after that, I was going by myself which was great, but it was kind of sad. But, and then it's like, once you start meeting people, then you look forward to going to church, you know, cause you want, you get to see like different people that you haven't seen all week or that you just love. And it's nice to see them in person. Oh, that is so good. What about you, Ann? You, you grew up in the church. Did you ever have a time that you walked away from the church? Um, cause you said, you know, your, your mom and dad, they went to the same church, but is there a time that you walked away? Yeah. I mean, I can remember like in high school, through early college, I had stopped going. And, but it, because it was kind of like, I went when I was young with my parents, but I had never learned to like go to church on my own before. Um, and I remember in high school, just getting much more engaged with my friends, 
like outside of there, they weren't church friends. They were just from school and stuff. And we would just hang out all the time. And so like, because of that, like, I mean, not necessarily because of that, but like Sunday, I would just sleep in. Like I hadn't yet come to a place when I had made the decision for myself to go to church. Like, you know, I think there's a huge difference between being brought to church versus bringing yourself to church. And I had not yet reached a point where I like knew God enough to know, like to, to know to bring myself to church or to that. I wanted to seek God for myself. You know, it's like, I hadn't yet like had relationship with God to where like I could go to church and feel his presence or like, like really understand the importance of the teachings and stuff. I was just kind of checked out and living my life and doing my thing. So, but then in, I started going back on my own and like back in college, I got connected with a group on campus um, called campus crusade for Christ or crew. And from there, I just started attending like Bible studies on campus, not because not because I wanted to actually, but because I knew, like, I kind of like knew I should, like, I knew like, okay, this is a good thing. Like I should, cause I had the, uh, my upbringing and I went to part of my upbringing too, was that I had gone to a Baptist elementary school and they, but it was a very, it was an amazing school. Cause it was like every single morning they would like write a Bible verse on the, uh, chalkboard in your first, um, thing that you had to do every single day was write that verse out three times. And it was like, that was the same, like for like, you know, all six years of that elementary school, it was like the same uh, thing, like writing down the verse and everything. And so it was like, I, I had like a solid kind of biblical background, but just hadn't learned to like really take it seriously for my, for myself. But in college, that was when I started to, like attend Bible studies and started to like the word started to kind of get in me more. So that was, that was kind of the turnaround of when I started to re-engage. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And because what I realized is there's many people that they grow up in church, but they don't grow up in Christ. So yeah. once they have that freedom, they decide to leave and they, they might not come back. So I'm just glad that, the Holy Spirit drew both of y'all back into like, you know, growing up in Christ and not just growing up in church. So that's amazing to hear. So my second question is, cause it was like, Oh, y'all a cute couple. Oh, let me get my man. Like question is how did y'all meet? That's the question. Everybody's probably asking right now. They don't care about the topic. They just want to know how y'all met. So that's my next question. Y'all whoever wants to go first can answer it. But, um, how did y'all meet? We, this is, this is my, this is my plug for everybody to, uh, be serving and volunteering at the church because that's where we met. I had been on the finance team for like a few years and then um, TR started serving. And that was where we first kind of actually got connected was through ser serving on that team uh, together. Uh, I got added to the group me and then I got a text from somebody. Yes. I said, <laughs> I was just like inviting me like, Oh, I'm so glad you signed up for the team. Uh, you know, looking forward to serving with you. 
Yeah. All those great yes. things. I was like, wow, this is such a nice person. Like, this is so such Ian, a- were, were you being were you being friendly or did you were you trying to be friendly? If you know what I mean. You, what, what was the thought process? Because I know you're the leader, so you're probably just trying to make her feel welcome. But did you like, oh, this girl's kind of. I remember at the start, like, whenever you, you kind of always have that concern of like, this person hasn't served before. Are are they going to be here? Are they going to show up? And then, but I I would say that my over time, my communication certainly went from friendly to to that second friendly <laughs> as I got to know. Tierra. And then, and then actually the first, um, time we ever went out and like spent time together outside of the church, um, like after serving, Oh uh, no, well, I, the, well, that was, there was that. So what my, what, what I remember was there was a time where we had Dr. Sandy, uh, Colkin, I believe is his last name. He showed up to the church and was talking all about Abrahamic blessings and stuff. And um, so I, I literally went and wrote on a prayer card in the church to say, "God, I pray for the Abrahamic blessings on the relationships in my life, or something, something like that." And then um, from there, then that was kind of like a a turning point when the next, after the next time that Tierra and I talked, it was like, then I invited her to um, see if she wanted to go to the art museum. And we went to the art museum and she's laughing because, because <laughs> go ahead. Just I'm laughing because it's significant in that. So like the backstory. So on my side was that, um, I started serving and then um, it was like, I would be late to church a lot <laughs> and Ian was lead at the 5 p.m. service and like they, they needed people to serve at 5 p.m. service. So I was like, okay, God, like I know I can at least be on time for the 5 p.m. <laughs> and so I started serving at the 5 p.m. And then um, there were like other people that were serving at the same time, but then it ended up being where it's just me and Ian serving a lot. So we got to like really just be talking, like building a friendship. Um, and then Ian had started to train me and uh, show me like how to lead the service. And so that was like really special to me because then it, I ended up um, leading an earlier service after that because Ian had trained me how to be a team lead, like a, to lead a service. And so um, there was one day like after the first, I think like the first or second time I led and I remembered and that like, oh, it was Ian who like saw that in me, like those leadership abilities um, and, and trained me. And so I like just felt like God told me like, oh, you should reach out and like tell him thank you. Let him know how the service went, you know, that everything went good, you know, and just follow up with him. Um, and so I'm like, OK, I'll do that, Lord, you know, but I have to go to work. <laughs> like I'm trying to work overtime and I don't have time to be calling him. And so, but then like throughout the night, I kept being reminded, like, no, call Ian and like tell him thank you and like follow up. And so then I was like, okay, well, let me hurry up and do it now before I call too late and it looks, you know, inappropriate. And so I gave Ian a call and was just like, hey, you know, I led the service this day and I just want to thank you, you know, for seeing like those leadership things in me and for, you know, teaching me how to, to serve and lead the service. And then it went from there and then just, you know, seeing like, oh, you know, 
how are you doing? And then Ian was like, oh, <laughs> there, I'm doing well. <laughs> there, there was a transition point from when we started, we were from like just that talking about that into talking, just talking, talking. And I can remember that transition point of like, I feel like we're just having, I feel like we're actually having a conversation. And I was excited. I jumped up. I was jumping up and down. I was, I was just, you know, it was like, and so from there too, like, then that was the same day that I had written out that prayer card too. And so it was like, then, then from there, um, uh, asked her to go to the art museum and, uh, cause he knows I'm an artist and he knows that I really like art. And he asked me to go to the art museum to see some of his favorite paintings uh, <laughs> that I never heard about. Um, <laughs> after that date, <laughs> we went to the art museum. It was a really great time. It was a wonderful time. Went to the art museum, had a good time. And then after that, um, and it, it really is such a God story. And it's like, not to like, oh, drag out the details, but because it was so detailed, our story is kind of for me. And I think for you too, like along the way, was just like affirming of the relationship um, and, and kind of like, and because it was like God affirming the relationship kind of added to the, the desire to want to do have relationship God's way and like have that kingdom conduct within the relationship. Cause you know, like, Oh, this is something different. And so even with um, us meeting up for the art Institute, um, I only lived eight minutes away from downtown, but I drove, I decided to drive there. I don't know why could not find parking. <laughs> and it was like, Oh, like what, what's going to happen. And then just feeling like God say like, you know, you can park in this parking garage. I'll pay for it. Like God telling me, like, I'll pay for your parking. And I was like, okay. And then I uh, park and then um, we're hanging out for so long. And uh, then Ian invites me, once the artist suit goes well, then we hang out, do something else. We go get something to eat. And then we just keep hanging out. Um, and I'm wondering, like, about the parking. But <laughs> God said he's going to pay for it. And he literally did. Like, I never, the parking was high. Like, it was. It was sixty dollars. It, it was very expensive for us some parking, but I literally never missed that money. I never, it was never an impact to me financially, and that was God. Um, and so yeah, and then from there we just kept hanging out, kept talking, kept um, growing, like being intentional with our time, and yeah. And now we're here. Yes. So how long have y'all been married? Over a little. This over. year will be three years. Wow, wow! Because she decided to serve. That that's amazing. And then Ian kind of lied about his favorite exhibits. But hey, hey, hey! It all it got redeemed. It is redeemed by the blood. All right. All those paintings, I know the name of the painting. They're just not significant. I, yeah, life. I just haven't been like, oh my gosh, I gotta go see it again. <laughs> like, was a connection. Oh. Yeah. That is amazing. And you, Tio, you say you don't want to tell the details. We want to know the details. That's why we're here. We want to know the details. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, side question. Y'all went on many dates, I'm assuming. 
So Taylor, what was your favorite date? And then Ian, what was your favorite date? And you can't say the first date because the first date is like a cop out. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you two different ones. One was I was, um, I was, I don't remember where I was. I was somewhere and then I didn't know what I was doing that day. And then, um, and then, um, long story short, Tierra asked me if I liked s'mores and I said, yes. And so when we went, when we hung out that night, she had literally like got all this. Did we get, we went to the store together. Yeah. We went to the store okay. together. So we got a bunch of stuff from the, the store. Can I? You go ahead. Yeah. So it was like, um, so at the time I had stayed at this apartment building that had a community area and like, like different amenity spaces, you know, like that different um, high rise buildings in Chicago have. And so it was like, that was a safe space for me. And I thank God for that. Cause it's like, God knew that I was going to be dating during that time and knew that I don't know about all these places in the city. <laughs> like, so that would just made like a safe place where it's like, oh, okay, we can come over here, but it's like, you're not in my apartment. And it's like, and those are like safe boundaries too, you know, to like keep yeah. because you're in a, uh, you know, semi public, you know, atmosphere um so yeah like on one of the on one of the um amenity areas they had like these open fire pits <laughs> so we we made s'mores but what, for me what was special was like she like had started playing music and she was playing like my favorite band and i was like and i was just like like just just that like she had thought to like do something like that was like it meant that she was like an intentionally doing something for me and that so that was it but then the funny thing too was we were cooking um marshmallows on the building uh like fire pit and then the next day her building sent out an email to the whole um to everybody in the building and said just a reminder please do not be cooking on the fire pit oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was <laughs> like it wasn't <laughs> what so that was funny. Um, the other thing too, I remember we had um, over, um, she was in an uptown. And so there was like the beach and then like a big giant grassy area and the hill and stuff. And I remember for some reason, at some point we, ended, we were on top of the hill and then she, we, she just like, we were trying to like race down or something. And she was so fast. Tara is literally like, <laughs> She could win the hundred meter dash. So and I remember running and being like, oh my goodness, she's so fast. I had to like book it just to try to keep up with her. And that was the I don't know. That's just moment just sticks out to me. Just realizing you how, running fast? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> what did that make you think? I don't know. It was just like, wow, she's cool. <laughs> she's fast, you know. I don't know. She's impressive. Yeah, I, I get you, Ian. I get you. Yeah, not like you know. Uh, you you were. It was like I don't know. I'm, I wasn't slow. Ed, Edward gets me. Uh, okay. He got me. Yeah, you weren't slow post. <laughs> yeah. And show show your competitive nature, Tierra. That's what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. Even but she's 
well, what's funny, she is kind of competitive, but at the same time, it's like if you're playing like a board game or something with her, she really like wants everybody to get along. She doesn't want to try too hard to win and hurt your feelings by doing something in the game that's a part of the rules. Like she, God sees us. Even when we're playing a board game, God sees us. So don't be cheating while you're playing a little Monopoly or something. Let us, like think things that are according to the rules <laughs> yeah. in the game she still doesn't want to do because she she don't want to hurt your feelings. Or like, so, like, like I don't even like any type of game like where I have to be lying in the game. I don't even to do that <laughs> she doesn't me for monopoly if you land on my space give me my six hundred dollars you only got the budget well that's on you payment <laughs> plan no no payment plan over here nope <laughs> oh that is so awesome oh uh, tiara do you have a uh, favorite date or was it one of the ones ian said um uh, i'm trying to think um some of like the date moments that to me like that stick out are just like us just hanging out so one of the things that we would do is uh watch black love which is a documentary for um i don't know if everybody knows it but it's this documentary um on the oprah network about (laughs) (laughs) the different uh black couples and they go through like these really yeah. like deep topics on like relationships, marriage, um, parenting relationships. Like um, sometimes they touch on faith, like just these different um, topics and like discussions about, you know, like things you don't normally hear about, like people discuss about their relationship that actually I feel like provide a lot of wisdom for people that are either like interested in being in a relationship or having gone through or processing being in relationships. Um, and so we would be watching, we would like turn the TVs on in the common area of my apartment building and turn it on to uh, the Black Love <laughs> and just being there, just like watching these documentaries. And then it just like kind of naturally happened. Like then we just would start like hearing the people's stories and then talking amongst ourselves because then it had us to start thinking about like, oh, I never considered, oh, you know, whatever X, Y, and Z dynamics or like just, it just made for a different conversation starters for us. And so I think for me, something that stood out is having those moments of watching the Black Love documentaries and then like us just having conversations afterwards, like just chilling on the couch and just talking and like really getting to know each other more deeply, um, which I think was really intentional and a setup too by God that he knew like all during this time that we were going to be getting married and that he was having like these, this foundation being established. um, Even like while we didn't know everything that was happening, um, which I think was really important because one thing to note too is like it's very popular you know like nowadays like you're you're dating go on a vacation you know like go go this place go that place and i was at the time working for the airline so we easily could have gone and traveled anywhere in the world together every other weekend been on any type of beach but sometimes like those experiences can fabricate i feel like 
a relationship and if you really have a connection because it's you know it's like if you don't have a good time with somebody in Belize or Hawaii or <laughs> Bali it's like that person is horrible <laughs> but it's like you just because you went on vacation with someone you guys had a good time that doesn't mean that you're a good match and I think sometimes people kind of prolong the truth about their relationship by filling it with these kind of you know, very fun, but not very, um, sur- you know, like beyond the surface experiences. Um, so I think that was really interesting that God didn't have us like traveling all over the world until we got to that point in our relationship. But like having us watch a, a relationship documentary. <laughs> yeah. And so those moments stood out to me and those were a lot of fun. Yeah, we did too have, we had a, a lot of, um, this is probably the best move for relationships was like a lot of utilization of like common areas, like the amenity space in her building had like indoor and outdoor, like inside there was like a bunch of different games and stuff you could play inside and different TV rooms and stuff. And then also outside there was like just plenty of spaces to chill and the fire pits and stuff. And then in, and then uh, like if we were downtown, like, sometimes we would go to my office had like a um, like a ping pong table and foosball and scooters and stuff. So we would literally just go to the office. Nobody, when nobody was around and just like play games and chill and stuff. Yeah. Right. Scooters. Yeah. A very like tech startup. Yeah. I think like a Google office Yeah, where people are supposed to be working, but they have all of these games. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So, Ian, when did you know that you wanted to make Tara your wife? Um, well, I think from the start, I I was approaching things kind of very intentionally. Like, I I think I made it clear to Tara early on that I wasn't trying to like mess around. And part part of that too was like was trying to set intentional like physical boundaries. Um, so that we were like authentically building an actual relationship with each other. But um, I remember um, uh, finding out early on that TR liked cookies. And so I remember one day after work, or I don't remember, it was after something, it was like late at night or something. And, or I just got out of a class, I think. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. So I went, and went to like five different places downtown trying to get any cookie that I could. Like I got, I mean, and they weren't the cream of the crop cookies, you know, it was like, I got, they're okay. They're good cookies, but it was like the subway cookie and the Sands cookie, a Chick-fil-A cookie. Like, I think I'm like, I was just trying to, I was just trying to get cookies places. Um, So I've got a bunch of cookies and um and i remember just showing up and like giving her all the cookies and it's like a whole backpack full i thought he was about to propose <laughs> yeah he's like because i had for you I, was like, I had to get down to open up my backpack <laughs> so um but, but then at one point i later on like this is probably months later but i remember her like reading out like a journal um, uh, 
like prayer journal thing that she had had. And it was like, my husband, this, my husband, this, 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 this. And it was like, and gives me cookies. And I was like, and, but the thing too was like, I was like thinking, I'm like, okay, check, check, <laughs> check, check. And, and, um, but then I was like, and gives me cookies. And I was like, I do, you know, I do these things. I do. So for me, it was just like, that was like affirmation to me of thinking like, kind of, kind of like, I don't know. It was it like, I think I had to kind of get over the hurdle and realizing like, I could do, you know, kind of like I could do this, like we could, you know, but in, but from the start, um, I tried to be intentional with Tierra and just let her know up front, like, like that I was going to pursue marriage with her because I didn't, you know, like approach relationship from the perspective of like, oh yeah, we'll date for a few months and just have fun and, and I don't care. I don't really want to get married. Like I did want to get married and I wanted to have a godly relationship and I wanted to have like solid, committed, real relationship. And, um, uh, and I like, so, and the very, so one early on when we had served together, um, there was one night where, um, after the church, Tierra had dropped off. Um, she had a car and the other volunteers that night didn't. Because in finance team, shout out to finance team, we usually are the last ones to leave the building. Um, so, but she, so it was like late at night after one of the evening services. And so she dropped the volunteers off. So I and I was one of them. Um, and I will remember in the car, her, um, like we we're just all chilling. We could have talked about anything. But Tierra started the conversation saying like, so tell me about when you guys started connecting with God again, or what, what was your relationship with God? Like, how did you start? When did you start connecting with God? And I was, you know, realizing at the time, like, this was early on. This is before we're dating. This is just friends serving together. But I kind of had this moment of realizing like, she could be talking about anything right now, but she's wanting to hear about, our relationship with God and what that story is like. And when did we connect with God? And it was like, and I, for me, it was like, okay, we're out of the church now. This is her free time. Like she could be like, yo, what's up? You know, she could be saying anything else, but she wanted to be talking about God. And for me, that, that was like the signal to me of realizing, like, here's someone who's like thinking about God, pursuing God. Here is someone who is like of the like quality that like makes for like a godly wife, godly relationship. And like, it just, it was just recognizing that like her attention and intentionality was set on God. And so that for me was kind of like, I mean, and there was still a ways between then to where we actually started dating, but it was like, I kind of with the backdrop of just knowing how, uh, Tierra's intentionality for God and wanting to seek God and pursue God with her life. Like there really wasn't like, a, an opportunity to like have some sort of like relationship where it's like, we're just going to disregard, uh, pursuing 
God and our relationship or like start dating and leave the church or something. Like it just, it wasn't like that because it was like, I knew God was, I mean, God was like the foundation of my life and had become much more real and serious to me and, and close with me. And the same for Tier, I knew that that was, you know, it's kind of seemed like, okay, Tier really does believe in God. She really does seek God and she really does want to walk with God. And so that was enough of a signal for me of knowing like, like that I could kind of pursue a relationship with her in a godly way and pursuing godly relationship with her kind of meant having marriage as a goal because it's, that's kind of the way that God interacts with us. It's not a wishy-washy way. It's from commitment and it's, you know, for permanent relationship with us. So, yeah. That is so good. And before we go to the next question, Tiara, when did you know that Ian was the one you wanted to say yes to? Um, as soon as you saw him, I know, as soon as you saw him, right? <laughs> cookies. Oh, yeah, the cookies definitely were like, what? Because it was just so thoughtful, you know, it's like, and I'm all about like, <clears throat> like thinking about like the thought behind what somebody does and the fact that um, he was like, you know, riding the trains, biking around. And it's like that he went to all these different places to try to get these, these cookies. It was just like very thoughtful. I thought, um, but the moment that I realized, um, I don't really know that there is a moment. I know definitely like uh, there is different like confirmations where it's like, no, okay. Like, you know, this is, you know, person that God want me to be with. This is a person, you know, that I can pursue like kingdom purpose with, but never like a boom, like, yes, this is it. You know, it's just like a lot of different affirmations. Cause I was testing it out, you know, like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> let me be clear, you know, because it's a huge decision to make, you know, to like be married. And a lot of times for people that, you know, if you look at their life, sometimes being in the wrong relationship can really derail someone that can really like delay your destiny and really um, make things difficult for you if you're in a relationship with the wrong person even if they say they're Christian, you know, it's like you really even should be investigating that. Like, how committed are you? You know, what what God do you believe in? You know, like, is people have other ideas of different ones. You know, like, you talking about the uppercase G or you got some lowercase G guys? Are you praying to God or are you praying to the universe? Well, which, which one? Because they're not yeah. the same. They're, they're not, not the same. And then asking about Jesus, too, because that's a big, you know, game changer or, like, breaking point for a lot of people is, like, who they believe Jesus to be and like how significant is he like see at the same level as all you know the other apostles like no he's not and so just like even going deeper into that and like seeing um where Ian was at and just like um all those things were like really important to me and just to be honest too it's like I didn't grow up like my parents weren't married so to me it wasn't 
very significant or important to be married. It was like, as I was growing in my relationship with God, God letting me know like, hey, if you want to have a family, I'm not about to be out here letting you have kids and no husband. Like, because <laughs> in my mind, I thought like, well, that's normal, like to have kids and, you know, you raise the kids, you be a single mom. Like that, I didn't think, think anything was wrong with that because I didn't have a bad experience having a single mother. Definitely like as I got older, I would see like those voids, I guess, of one have a father in the household and then God having to teach me like just, you know, because I saw one thing growing up doesn't mean that was his design and his intention. And that's not the things, you know, that he wants for children. You know, he wants a, a mother and a father in the home, you know, um, whenever possible, whenever, you know, it's, it's good for some people. It's not, it's not safe or whatever, but God's design is for there to be both, you know? And so, um, I had to just like come around to that whole idea of like being married and what does that look like? And so I'm grateful for, like I shared, like the documentaries and, yeah, just like having to get to be around other married couples and hear from them and having to even have that example to even think about getting married um, and having like friends who are prayer warriors and discerning um, and letting them like, you know, meet Ian, like be around him. And because sometimes when you're dating too, um, like Derek Prince, he talks about like how parents should be involved in their children's dating, because sometimes when you're dating, you can get so emotionally excited or like emotionally involved and you don't really see the person or maybe you're like too accommodating to like red flags because of your emotions. Um, and so like it just inviting like, you know, certain people to be around to kind of see like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, I'm thinking I'm hearing, you know, that like this is okay like he's a nice guy and then having them to like you know experience Ian and be praying and be helpful as well so but yeah I don't know that there was a moment it just yeah just I guess felt right and then <laughs> and then after marriage it felt like yeah this, this is a good idea <laughs> it's probably bad like <laughs> no that's good because it shows to Ian's support because, you know, I'm, I'm team Ian. I'm team both of y'all, but Ian, he's my dog. Oh, it shows how consistent Ian was. It wasn't like he had some highs and some lows, like, oh, it was that time because he was so good. But it seems like what I'm trying to interpret what you're saying is like he was so consistent that there was not a moment. It was like a whole bunch of moments that led to saying yes. Yeah. And then he still acts like that. I think maybe that's how I feel affirmed now in marriage is because he still treats me like, you know, the girl that he's trying to go get a bunch of cookies for, you know, it's like, he still has those moments and it's just like a lifestyle thing where it's like, he's still always doing that. And so I feel good about that, you know, and, um, I, okay. Here's one moment that sticks out to me. It's like how you mentioned like us, he was really, very firm and us having like very god godly like physical boundaries um to the point where i literally was like i don't even know if he likes me like <laughs> like i don't even know this guy is even interested like even attracted to me like what is going on but i just wasn't used to that um 
not to say I was out here or anything, you know, but <laughs> I just wasn't used to like, oh, a Christian man, like being a Christian man and actually like, no, this is what we're going to do. And we're really going, this is what we want to do. And we're going to actually be intentional and put a strategy in place to achieve, you know, the things that God wants for us. And so I remember just like one time asking him, like, so are you like, is it okay? Like, do you like me less because we have these physical boundaries? Like, is everything okay? And he literally like responded in scripture. And he said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I said, okay. <laughs> and even that was like, all right, you know, and it's just weird. <laughs> it's like, you should be happy about that. But it's like, I just literally was not even expecting or even knew like what, what it actually looks like to have it, to experience a God-centered relationship. I just didn't, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a blueprint for it. I didn't see it. And it was like, wow, I I lived it out, you know, and I'm, I'm still living in it. But um, then there was one day he had came, we were going to hang out and he had came and he had brought these like framed, uh, these like little picture frames and it was two of the same picture frames like different colors but inside of them he had printed out one of the psalms and then like in that psalm and there was like here he, he told me like you pick one and then I'll pick the other one so like one frame was like this brown wood the other was like this black wood and so we picked one and then um that was like the scripture he had for us for our relationship and for us to be praying and for us to be, you know, remembering. Um, and then it was that same scripture we actually had, like everybody that attended our wedding to pray over us at the wedding. And so like that moment when he like brought that, that little scripture and like he had printed it, you know, and he had told me like at work, he was doing an arts and craft. And <laughs> that was his arts and craft. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> and so that moment was really good. Cause it was like, he was serious. And that it was like in both of our houses that we had this scripture. Um, and then we did this, I uh, think, because I we both like to pray. I really like to pray. Um, and we had did this thing where we like had uh, mason jars. And then I asked him to like write out different family members of his. And then I wrote out different family members of mine, like people in my life. And then we like put it and piece of paper we put in the mason jars and then we switched and so then he was praying for my family and my friends and then I was praying for his family and his friends but then it was coming up like names that he wrote down I was like who is this person he's like oh that's my grandma like it's like I hadn't yet met these people and it was like but I already you know we were beginning to like pray, be praying for each other's family and it was just like an idea that had like came to me but then the fact that he was willing to do it and then seeing that, oh, wow, like this is actually a big deal that we're praying for our families, you know, um, too, was just knowing like that wasn't my own idea, you know, like that was the Holy Spirit inspiring me and just seeing like, you know, just like how that kind of panned out, um, like those moments have been significant. That's it. It's a good date idea for everybody. You don't you don't gotta go to the club. Just do some Christian arts and crafts. <laughs> Christian couples arts and crafts dot com. 
just yeah. I love that. I'm gonna have to steal that. I'm gonna take it. I'm not gonna steal it. I'm gonna take your advice yes. and do it. It's really good. So I know we're supposed to be talking about kingdom conduct, but we have to lay down the foundation about the people we talk to. Because a lot of people who talk about the kingdom, but they don't walk like they're part of the kingdom. So I, that's why we had to lay down that fit foundation of like who are you, who y'all were before y'all got married and who y'all are now as you're married. So my next question to y'all is how does one act when they're part of the kingdom of God? How are they supposed to act when they're part of the kingdom of God? Uh, well, you're meant to act in ways that are pleasing to God. And like the, I think the, the, like it's like you have to kind of constantly be on a journey of figuring out and learning what's pleasing to God, like over and over and over again, like every single day, because it's like, um, you know, it's almost like, you know, when people will say, Oh, I read the scripture in the morning and then the situation happened during the day and that scripture totally applied. It's like, well, they, they had some guidance from God about how to act in that situation because they had spent time seeking God and then God, God helped them know what to do in order to be pleasing to him. And so it's like, I mean, there's such a wide variety of life and situations and moments and things that it's like, it's like, I think Christian conduct like really is walking with um, God through the various situations of life. And it's, it's almost like, it's kind of like um, it's like you, you kind of using God's word as like a compass. Like you can be out in the wilderness and not be sure which way to go. But like, if you have a compass with you, that's going to be the help that you need to keep like knowing which direction to be going. So I think, I I don't think I could say, well, Christian conduct looks like a life reflective of Christ, but in order to actually live that out, it's you have to maintain closeness with God and flexibility um, to, to be willing to not say, this is who I am, but be willing to let God um, renew your mind and change you. And like the, a big, I mean, to answer that question, I mean, it like literally um, Psalm 119 comes to mind. Like, um, like there's that one verse in there that says like, make me walk along the path of your commands for that is where my happiness is found. And it's like, there's so many verses in Psalm 119 that are literally like prayers to God asking for help to live the godly life. And I mean, what's been most helpful to me has been um, like praying scripture because it's like that. I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of like gets your engine going is when you, can pray scripture that is that helps you to then live the scripture out and um yeah i mean that's that's kind of how i'd answer it so here yeah i think just 
just living and looking like Christ, you know, like, I think a lot of times it's like we try to learn about our own personalities when we're called to, you know, be transformed into the image of Christ. <laughs> and it's like living out like kingdom conduct to me is, you know, in conversation, like how you're reacting to people, like, you know, having an opinion that maybe isn't Christ-like or doesn't align with the Bible or, you know, how are you in a conversation where somebody is bringing up gossip or like, how are you and somebody, you know, is offended at something that you've done, you know, that you un unintentionally did? Like, are you reacting and, you know, saying like, well, I, I didn't mean to, so that's on you. Or are you like being like Christ and conducting yourself in the kingdom way that is called for unity, you know, and like trying to share like, oh, actually, I didn't intend to do that, but, you know, and letting that person know that they are loved and uh, speaking truth to whatever offense they may have taken up, you know, like to me, that's kingdom conduct, doing things that are, you know, countercultural, so to speak, but are what Jesus would do, you know, that, that, back to the 90s, WWJD. That, I think that, that's, <laughs> that's a good point of being willing to do things counterculturally because like, I I don't think like it's it's hard to always to say ahead of time like what godliness looks like in this situation or that situation, but in every single situation, there is going to be a godly way to walk through it. It's like that verse that talks about like there will be like a way of escape. Um, but even too like, um. What Tierra just mentioned about doing things like counterculturally, like it's like you have to be willing to really recognize the difference between like your life as like a, oh I'm an American Christian and these this is how things are done in American culture and what's comfortable and what's familiar versus like what is the culture of the kingdom of God and be willing to change from what is normal according to the culture of the world. Like it, it wasn't necessarily normal for, you know, us to have physical boundaries in relationship. That's not necessarily normal according to like American culture, but, but what happened is an, an adjustment of our, um, you know, knowledge of what's acceptable according to the world's culture to what is, you know, what is walking as a citizen of heaven look like? And I, I think, I think what's important is to not like, is to recognize that it is possible and you can walk like as if you're a citizen of heaven today. Like, it's not like, Oh, someday we'll be in heaven and then we'll, then we'll be flowing around with flutes and stuff. It's like today is the day, like this is the day of the Lord, you know? Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's so good. Cause in Matthew, Jesus says, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this will be added to you. So I think people need to start realizing that let me seek the kingdom. Not don't let me seek culture because culture is going to disappoint us time after time after time, but let us seek the kingdom of God 
and its righteousness. Because what I see is that many people, they want to claim Christianity, but they don't want to bear their own cross. But mm -hmm. Jesus said, if you want to take up, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. We don't want to deny ourselves. Yeah. We really don't want to bear our cross and we don't want to really follow Jesus. We just want to believe in Jesus. We don't want to make Jesus our Lord. We just want to make him our savior. And then sometimes we start getting, we start deceiving ourselves when we say like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yes, you believe in him, but is he your Lord? Because if I believe in something, if I believe in someone, I'm going to do what that someone told me to do. So, yeah. Well, I think, I think along with that, like, I think people, whether or not they want God or, or God's kingdom, uh, they actually genuinely do want God's kingdom. Like what I mean by that is like, like we want to walk down the street and not have someone come up and kill us or rob us. Like we want peaceful relationships. We want to be able to forgive others and be forgiven by others. Like we want the world to have like order and bountiful harvests and like we want like unity and peace between like p different people groups to where like like oh we're different but we get along and we're not fighting about it and it's like and the foundation of having those things is god being god is is like us having god in our lives like because it's like almost like if every single person in the world like obeyed, let's say just the Ten Commandments, like, man, how much better of a world would it be already if everybody was able to do those things? And so it's like if there's people out there who are really it's like they're not sure if they should buy into God fully, like, well, whether they, they might be unsure if they like kind of want God in their life or not, but like. I mean, I feel I like I can assure them they actually do want God because what they want is every they do want everything that God can can and will bring to them and and what God the benefits and what God wants the world to look like and what God wants to bring into the world. Like they genuinely do want that. And the the means of having those things is by in him. Is is in him, yeah. So I love like, how, yeah, yeah. I love how y'all said um, the benefits. People don't understand like when you obey the king, <laughs> there's benefits from obeying the king. Yeah. But I think sometimes we forget we forget that. But there's also consequences when you disobey the king, mm -hmm. and it seems like we don't talk about the consequences because we want to make sure everyone feels accepted, which everybody should feel accepted. But just know if you decide to sit at the table of the king, it's his rules. It's his commands, it's his decrees, whatever we do. But I love how you y'all talked about the benefits part. Yeah, and I would say too, like when I think about kingdom conduct, I think about um being led in truth and not our emotions. Cause I think a lot of times, like in culture, it's very based around your emotions and how you feel, and even going so far to say like your truth, which truth is a <laughs> you know, is a very, like, it's a definitive word, like, truth it's should be, objective. Yeah, yeah, 
It's like, objective, not subjective. <laughs> right. It's not, you know, the real word people should be saying is their perspective, not their truth. You know, and so culturally it's like, oh, live in your emotions where it's like, oh, well, this is something that makes me feel good. This is something that I enjoy, you know, you know, this is helpful to me, you know, um, and not living in the truth of like, well, but God, but what does God say about that? And he says that this, that I can do all things, but all things are not beneficial. So maybe I should not be doing this. He says that I can't have free will to do this, but that's, this displeases him and this doesn't bring him honor. So instead of me saying, well, it's really fun, you know, to, you know, whatever, celebrate certain, you know, holidays and do certain activities and, you know, dress a certain way or, you know, consume certain things, you know, that the government may say, okay, you may get a doctor prescription, say it's okay. But what does God say about, you know, keeping a sober mind? What does God say about us not putting other gods before him? What, you know, what holy holidays does he want us to celebrate? You know, it's like kingdom conduct is living in the truth, the word of God, despite what our emotions say. And it's even in Romans, it talks about how like we're under no obligation to do what our sinful nature is desiring. Um, And so that to me is kingdom conduct is living outside of what my sinful nature may desire me to do, but living in the truth of what does God desire of me um, because he loves me, because I'm in love with him. You know, it's not just based upon laws and these sort of things. It's like, I never asked Ian to go get me some cookies. You know, I never asked him to do these things, but it's like out of love, love prompts you to do certain things that show your care and your 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 love for that person. Um, and so it should be the same way with God, where it's like we should be living in love for God. And in that way, it won't feel like so constricted where it's like, I can't do this and I can't do that. It's like, no, I actually don't want to do that because this makes, you know, God happier. It's like, I want to do more of this because God likes it. You know, like I get a, you know, a good reaction, you know, from God's so almost like, like being a kid, like I was just with um, my nephews and it's like, if they would do something silly and they would see you laugh and like get a reaction out of you, like they keep doing it, you know, cause they like to see like have that reaction. Um, and so it's like, you know, we could have that same childlike faith with God where it's like, Oh wow. Like I sung, I was making a joyful noise. I don't know if I was on key or not, but this is called worship and God seems to respond like every time I sing. So let me just keep on singing. My day seems to get better. I seem to feel, you know, lighter. I seem to have, you know, more direction, more clarity in the day when I'm singing, when I'm worshiping. So let me just keep doing this, you know, and that to me is, is kingdom conduct is like going off the truth, going off what, what is loving to God and thinking about, his feelings and, you know, how we can honor him and reverence him as our king and our, and our lover, and our savior. That is so good. And to hit a point you said, I, I think we need to start spending more time with God because yeah. we, we can't just want all the benefits from God, but not want to choose to spend time with God. 
and takes it back to when, like, how y'all met. Y'all grew this uh, relationship. Y'all grew feelings for each other because y'all decided to hang out with each other. But how can we say that we want to be uh, married to the bridegroom, which is Jesus, but don't want to spend any time? Can you, can you just imagine that? Like, y'all married, but y'all never hung out. Y'all never did anything. He never got the cookies. He never took you to the art institute. But now we're like, yeah, we want to be married. It makes no sense. But I think Jesus was very intentional when he came down on this earth, when he went to the cross to die for our sins. So I think now it's our turn to like be intentional in like following him. And I think part of the conduct is like it just takes intentionality to say yes to Jesus and no to our flesh. And I'm not saying no one is perfect. I'm not saying that. No one is saying that on, on this conversation that anyone's perfect. But if you do fall short, just make sure that you go to Jesus, ask for forgiveness, and then the next day you choose to live for Jesus. Yeah, it's the effort. Yeah. It's like it's not the perfection. It's the intentionality and the the effort and like not using the grace as an excuse. But it's like, no, I'm actually this is what I'm going to pursue, you know. That is so good. So my next question is, um, we were just talking about spending time with Jesus. And my next question, how do we approach our prayer lives? Because sometimes we do that drive by Jesus. Thank you. And that's it. Jesus, keep, <laughs> keep me safe. And that's it. So how should us, if we're operating under a kingdom, how should we approach our prayer lives? Uh, I, I have like a very structured um, prayer time. Which I, I remember um, Pastor John Morgan at City Church before um, teaching about wild, wild, what he called wild prayer, which was like he said when he prayed on his own, like he would just be praying all over the place and just couldn't, you know, it was like hard to get traction with. But then he started doing wild prayer, which is like W going through what are the things you're worshiping God for, then you I intercede for others, then L pray for your life. Uh, and then D, um, declare. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily always do that. I've done that sometimes, but what I do is just kind of the example of that is like when he was all over the place, sometimes it's hard to get things going, but when he put a structure on it, then he was able to really get traction. And so for me, I will literally set a timer every single day, um, and do like an hour's worth of Bible time. Uh, and um, cause I remember, um, this is even going back to like a city. Oh, okay. I don't want to tell the full story right now, but like, um, just somewhere along the way, God kind of just encouraged me to be spending an hour a day. And so then I started literally setting a timer reading the Bible for an hour a day. And so sometimes, sometimes I'll just read the Bible for the full hour. Sometimes I'll like read the Bible and then um, take some time to pray. Sometimes I've just prayed for the full hour. Sometimes I will write down prayers, like in a notebook. I will actually type prayers out a lot. Like I'll open a word document and type. Um, that really is just helps me to like, cause it's like, you have to kind of clarify the thought in order to actually send the signal to your fingers to type the words out and stuff. So it's like, it forces you to, like concretely take action kind of and write something down. Um, so you're not like wandering all over the place. Like you're actually getting something solid out. Um, but by having a pattern, a routine, like 
because it's regular, like, and this is all, a lot of this is kind of based on there's this concept called like the 20 mile March, which is like, there were two explorers going to the North pole and they were in a race against each other. And one was just trying to go all out. Like I'm going to go as hard as I can and I'm going to get there. And the other one was like, okay, well, it's far. We're just going to go. Our team is just going to go 20 miles each day. And the person who was trying to go nuts, like they like made it halfway and then they had to stop. They couldn't go any further. But the person who went 20 miles a day, eventually like they just, they eventually made it there. And part of it was like, even if they could go further on a specific day, they just said, no, we went 20 miles. We're going to stop for today. And so they were able to make consistent daily progress that was repeatable. And so for me, an hour a day is something that I can make consistent daily progress and pray each day, but it's also repeatable. It's like, I know I can check this box each day versus like, if you're like, man, I need to pray more. And then you start praying like six hours day one, like that's awesome. But then is it like on day two, you're like, man, I prayed a bunch yesterday, so I'm not going to pray today. You know, like that happens to people like, oh, I, I went hard for God and I'm tired the next day. So it's kind of like, but it's like by having that regular rhythm of, okay, God, like I, I can tell you for today, I actually still have, um, I think, I think about 16 minutes left of Bible time to do because I've done like 44 minutes based on the timer. And the timer for me kind of helps me to actually not feel like, oh, I did enough time. Like, like it's easy to like sit down, read the Bible and it's five minutes and then you put it away and you're like, man, I spent a lot of time reading the Bible today versus like for me having a timer actually helps me to be like, have a sense of like knowing when I haven't done enough. Like kind of like, I know that like, um, it's not, it's not like I can do 20 minutes and put away. It's like, no, I have a, a goal of an hour. And so it's, it's measured for me. So that, that's what helps me is having a regular pattern of prayer. Like for me, more than anything, like having a consistent daily pattern like that's what actually helps me to do it versus if it was, if I didn't have a system, if it was just scattered all over the place, like I might feel like I'm praying a lot, but in reality not be praying a lot at all. So, yeah. And I think what you got mentioned before too, like praying the word is something that I found to be like very effective. And there's been times too, like I've prayed for people and they're like, Oh wow. Tear like that that prayer. And I'm like, it was unoriginal. I literally just prayed the scripture. Like I just prayed. I changed the pronouns. Like, uh, you know, if if it's not broke, you don't have to fix it. (laughs) Perfect. Like we're literally praying the word of God and God says for us to do that. You know, he says in Isaiah, Isaiah 26 or 46, he's like, bring me in remembrance, you know, let us contend together um on these matters and it's like he's literally called us to pray like he's we we even have the blueprint of you know jesus giving us the lord's prayer and it's like we can pray that exact prayer or you can pray and look at excuse me like what that prayer is saying and it's first opening up you know similar to the wild prayer it's like first giving reverence to god honoring god thanking god you know 
repenting, asking for forgiveness, and then, you know, releasing forgiveness to others, and then going on and, you know, making requests of God and declaring things, you know, um, you know, here on earth as it is in heaven, you know, it's like, that's the best way I can like share to pray is one, just like, honestly, as a conversation, like what we're having. And, and there's even been sometimes too, like, like when you're going through a hard time in life, like for me, there's been times where I've wanted to like, you know, like I'm crying or I'm upset and I want to call a friend and then they don't answer the phone. <laughs> and then it's like, okay. But then I've, in my spiritual walk, gotten to a point where God has told me like, you know, what you were going to say on the phone to that friend, say to me, you know, and then like, and us venting to God, we're talking to someone who can actually do something about it. And that conversation is a prayer that, you know, get on the phone. If you, I know some people like they, like they will text, you know, God, and it's just like them texting their own phone number, but it's like getting to actually put it out and like having that, that physical exercise or, you know, whatever to just have that conversation with God. Like, did you just see, like, I just left out of work and they just said this and they passed me up on the promotion again after I did X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and just saying all those things to God and like venting to him, you know, and then pausing and let the other person talk too. <laughs> you know, let, let him have a dialogue too. Don't let it be a monologue. Like, and you're having a, phone conversation the other person gets to talk to you don't just call and say hey girl this and this happened all right bye <laughs> you know it's like you get on the phone you say you know hey how are you doing you know and you tell what you know whatever is going on and then you hear from your friend you know they're either gonna give you some encouragement you know reality check you know um reminder of truth you know, and that's what God does for us. And even better, you know, because Jesus, he calls us his friend. And so it's like, if we have a prayer where it's us having an honest conversation with God, like, this is what happened. This is how I'm feeling about what happened. You know, like, what's going on? Like, where are you at? You know, sometimes you call your friend and say, where are you at? I thought you were going to be here <laughs> 15 minutes ago, you know, and asking God, like, hey, this is happening. Where are you at? You know, where's your location? <laughs> like, please let me know. What are you wearing right now? I'm looking around. <laughs> and just having like that, even that is a is a prayer, you know, praying the word of God, having conversation with God is prayer. Um, and even just listening to God, like just sitting and saying like, hey, God, I'm here. I want to hear from you, you know, talk speak now your servant is listening so so good and sometimes you just got you got you don't have words to say so to say jesus there's sometimes that you just going through some some not it's like jesus yeah. and you know your heart would start to moan through the word of jesus and the holy spirit is smart enough to understand what that jesus means yeah. so i think people sometimes try to frame the theological king james version type of prayer you don't gotta do all that to say jesus and then the lord would meet you at where you're at when you said Jesus. That's so true. The verse that says, you know, how the spirit prays for us, you know, like we don't know how to pray as we ought to, <laughs> but the spirit makes intercession for us. And even, you know, 
bring in your prayer language and just like let the spirit pray for you. Let God pray for you and just really just release, you know, and like um, one of the things too I always try to um, think about is like better to talk to God about like intimate things going on in our life because he's not going to, you know, like judge us or go and tell somebody else about us or like, wow, do you know Tierra was struggling again today? Like third day in a, in a row, like this girl, <laughs> you know, he's not going to do that. Like he loves us. And if I go and tell him about, you know, like what I'm struggling with or what I'm disappointed by and what I'm hurt by, he's actually going to to help me out. He's actually going to change things or help to change me so that I see things better. And in that, like, that's how we get to grow in our faith walk and see that God is real like how you're saying. Hey, everyone. I don't know if you know this, but your boy is a co-author of a seven-day devotional. My brother Brandon Austin and I released a devotional about transformation in your life. We believe that there's seven areas in your life that you must check in order to experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. We have broken down these areas throughout the seven days of the devotional. You can purchase the book on Amazon for $4.99 for the Kindle version and $7.99 for the paperback version. The link is in the description box below. Thank y'all so much for your support. Now let's get back to Saturday conversation. Same with people wanting the benefits of God, but not knowing that they want it in God. But a lot of times I think it's because people never really gave God a try. They never really gave him a chance. It's like wanting food, but never even going to a restaurant or telling them what you want. You know, you're just at home hungry and the McDonald's is across the street, but then you get mad at McDonald's because they never bought you <laughs> your food that you never asked them for, that you never ordered. And you never even paid the cost to go get it. You just are upset, like, well, they should know, you know? And it's like, they're there, they want to serve you (laughs) and they're very nearby, you know? And it's like, God wants to to love on us, but it's like, he's just not gonna just bust in the door and be like, here, eat this burger, girl. (laughs) He's like, he's available, but it's like, you know, he's knocking, we have to open the door for him. That is so good because the Bible says, draw to him and he'll draw unto you. So we have to, like you said, like we need to draw to him, but he's ready. He's ready. His hands are wide open. Jesus said in Matthew, come to me who's um, weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. But then is you got to come to him, (laughs) come to him in prayer, come to him in humility. And if you don't know what to say, don't worry about it. He knows what you're going to say. So just say to the best of your ability. I think sometimes we try to keep our dysfunction and our struggles away from God. Like he doesn't know what's already going on. Like yeah. he already knows. <laughs> try to be on our best behavior once like, he already saw, <laughs> he already saw, he already can see our heart. And it's like, people say like, you know, all the time, like God knows my heart. That should be very concerning to you that he does know your heart <laughs> because the heart is not always the pure place that we think it is, you know? And so it's like to not go to him and try to play pretend. Um, Cause I have found like that does like prolong sometimes like suffering, you know, it's like when I've tried to go to God, like all buttoned up and be like, you know, God, you know, this is going on, but you know, I'm trusting you and it's going to be all right. Okay. All right. And, you know, <laughs> but those prayers are like, 
what's going on? You know, it's like, you're just crying and weeping and just being honest with God. It's like, but I thought this and your word says that. And what about this? And like, just giving him the questions, you know, I think it's um, really weird. And I don't know where it came in at, in the culture where it's like, people say, I know you're not supposed to question God. What? He calls himself the answer. We are supposed to question him and ask him so we can find out the information. <laughs> so just, we are supposed to question him, but not like in an antagonizing way, but in a, I would like to know more, you know, explain to me, help me understand. And then with this from scripture, he may answer, he may not answer your question because I look at the book of Job Job asks, why are you doing this? He ignored the whole question and start asking, were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? They're like, I felt bad for Job. Like, dang, he was just trying to get an answer. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes he may answer, but if, if you're Job, he's like, nah. But he started reminding Job like all he has done. So if he did all this for the world, how much can he do this for you? Like, I can get you out of this destruction. I can get you out of this despair. I can get you out of this depression. I can get you out of all of it. If I can lay down the foundations of the earth, if I can tell the sun to stay there, if I can tell the moon to stay there, how, why, do, why do you think I can't lift off of you the spirit of fear or the spirit of worry or the spirit of anxiety? I think that I, that's just how I thought of it. Like, he's told, he gave Job his whole resume just so he can say, like, if I can do all this, why do you think I can't get you through what you're going through right now? Yes. So resume. <laughs> yeah, for real though. He's he's undefeated. Like he told the he told the ocean not to go any further. And until until now, 2023, the ocean still has not disobeyed God. <laughs> so I, I and like if you look, God said, Gravity, you be this. Gravity is still undefeated because of the word God spoke. <laughs> so I, I think people we sometimes tend to downplay God, and that's what affects our prayer lives. We're like, well, what's the point of me just praying? It's just like a wish. But no, we're praying to the God of the universe, the God who said, let there be, and there was. We're praying to the I am, that I am. We're praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think when people start to think and know that God is God, he's not a genie, then we start to come before his presence with our prayers and our supplications. Yeah, that's good. Anything else before we go to the next question? Bring it on. All right. So I'm glad I got to get both of y'all two on it because y'all both serve on a finance team. So the next question is, when you're in the kingdom, how should we, um, how should our conduct be when it comes to our finances? Before I start. Tithe for one. <laughs> um, I think looking like ownership versus management is a conduct, um, or I guess maybe perspective to have when it comes to kingdom conduct with your finances is that God is the owner of all things and we're just managing um, what He's given us. And in that management, it's like we're reporting to Him, you know. He's the CEO. He's the, you know, he's the owner and we're, we're working, um, we're serving him. We're working in his kingdom and utilizing uh, the resources that he's, he's trusting us with. Um, so it's like, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, for me, like, um, 
like I was just reading today in Ezra and it's like Ezra is sent like the story of Ezra and Nehemiah go hand in hand where like Nehemiah is the one who goes and helps with a lot of the organization of rebuilding Jerusalem um, after exile. But Ezra is the one who comes back and kind of helps with some of the spiritual restoration. And in it, when Ezra is sent back or when Ezra like goes to Jerusalem, like King Darius, I believe it's King Darius is like sending like, here's this much gold and here's this much silver and take these gold bowls and all this stuff and go, um, build, you know, and, and, and give these and, you know, as a sacrifice to God and, um, same thing too, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is going to go do this thing for God, but, um, his, when the King, I don't remember the King in Nehemiah, but the King starts talking to him and it's the King who's able to give Nehemiah the supplies that Nehemiah needs in order to go and do this task for God. And so like from both of those, it's like, um, they were able to, the two Kings were able to give the resources needed for the people of God to do, um, what God had for them to do. And like part of the, the answer that God gave to those people to live out the calling that God had placed on their lives was the resources provided to them by these two Kings. And so it's like, when we use resources, like I can use my resources right now to build Walmart, build the kingdom of Walmart. I can build the kingdom of Dunkin' Donuts. I can build the kingdom of, you know, like wherever I'm using my resources, it is going to be building, you know, what whatever, you know, company or organization or person that is. But when we use our resources to build God's kingdom, like that's a great service um, to God, like w enabling the growth and of God's kingdom, like enabling the priests of God's kingdom to fulfill their duties. Um, like that's a big deal. And I think too, what come an important thing is, um, is just responsiveness to God because it's not necessarily like, yes, the, the tithe is a, a great, um, set structure, but then a lot of times it can kind of be like, there's so many different things you could give to. It's like, you could go and give to world vision or to compassion or to your church or, to another church or to this specific missionary or that. And it's kind of like, then you could, by the end of it, have given away a hundred percent of your income to 10 different, 10% to 10 different things all at once. And maybe, maybe there's a paycheck for that. But at the same time, then maybe it's like, but there's also like, you know, like it's, you have to kind of be responsive to what God is saying you know, is God saying like, Hey, you, you know, I know that you've given so much, but I actually need you to save right now. Like there's a time, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says there's a time to 
scatter stones and a time to gather stones. And I remember reading that verse and just kind of the interpretation that I felt in the time from that. This was years ago. The interpretation I felt from that time was like the there was a time for for me to gather stones like and so that meant for me this is a time for me to save and so to start saving i started following the joseph plan where joseph lewis saves an entire nation by just using the system of saving 20 percent. and by doing that like that was actually a precursor towards towards uh, tier and i starting to date and stuff like i was starting to save and save and save. And then actually then later on, before we got married, like that money from that season, from hearing from God, like this is a time to get to gather stones instead of scatter them. And then knowing the story of Joseph and following that system, like by the responsiveness, that was what ended up there being some like money in that account to where, that did help a great way towards helping pay for uh, us to have a wedding. Um, and so it's like, um, yeah, the exact amount. It was like the God had been talking to him before we even started dating, telling him to like be saving. And then when we got engaged, God had spoke to me and told, gave me a number, like the budget for the wedding. And it was the same amount that was in that account. <laughs> And so it's like, how you're talking about like, oh, being financially led of the Lord and how you're, how you're giving and how you're saving and how, you know, we didn't even get to how you're spending, but it's like, those two things are like very important because you don't know, you know, we don't know all what's ahead. You know, we, we prophesy in part, we know in part, you know, and it's like with Joseph, how he knew that, you know, God was able to tell them like what the family was coming and like things to be saving up for. And, you know, but we don't know what all that family may entail or what all, you know, that it's going to happen or even for a blessing, like with our, our wedding, you know, it's like, could be a couple where guys like, Oh, you know, be saving up for this. And they're like, what? But you don't know, like maybe somebody will come with a great offer for you. Like, Hey, you could buy this, you know, this house cash. And it's like, it'll be a great discount if you buy it cash. But if you didn't have the money, then you'd have to pay even more to get a loan, you know, or, you know, all these different opportunities that, you know, God will have up the line where it's like, just to take him at his word to save or to give. And, you know, and you don't even know like the rest of it, but to have that faith to listen to God and do that and then see a blessing afterwards you know it's just it's exciting i think <laughs> yeah it, it is really like responsiveness to god letting god take care of you because i remember like last year i had like um i had a main job and a side job and i had just kind of started the, up that side job and then literally like a and i was you know I wasn't sure if it was the right thing to be doing. I was praying about it. I was out doing it. I was praying, God, is this right? You know, what do you want? You know, like wrestling with God of like just trying to pray for clarity. But then it was like a week after I'd started doing that side work, I lost my main job. 
And so it was like realizing that like, hold on a second, God knew that this was going to happen and he had already provided something for me to, to do. And so, oh, so much of it is just walking hand in hand with God, walking step, step by step with God. It's almost like a little kid trying to control finances and like their parent or just even someone older would be like, just telling them like, okay, yeah, you, you could, yeah, go ahead and spend a dollar and get a candy bar. Or, are you, or they might say, are you sure that you want to do that? Because I know you said you wanted this. Don't you want to save that dollar? You know, or they might say, well, you have $2. Why don't you get one candy bar for yourself and one for somebody else as well? You know, it's like they're, you know, like a little kid, like they might just by hearing the voice of, um, someone that if they heed it, it's there's there's going to be wisdom provided. There's going to be guidance provided, and so it's just important to walk with God, listen to God, talk to God, and you know, like it's not always easy because sometimes it's things don't make sense. It doesn't make sense to do this or that, or you know, God, you want me to give my last? Like, what are you talking about? Like, but. Um, it's, it's okay. If you know, is God's going to take care of things. Especially like with, um, even like with tithing, um, I heard like different testimonies of like different believers and they're working with, uh, like financial advisors that weren't believers and the, uh, the advisor would be like, you're giving how much to the church? Like what in the world? This not, I don't know about this, but it's like, but in kingdom conduct with our finances, it's like, no, you know, give Caesar what is Caesar's, you know, pay your taxes and give God what is God's. And it's like, and the, give him the first fruits, not the, oh yeah, after all these bills, this is what I have left. It's like, no, the first fruits, you shouldn't even be able to know if you can like afford a tithe. Because it should be the first thing that you give. And if you're receiving any level of income, you can afford to tithe because you've received something. And that's the grace of God that he doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. He asks us to give back to him what he gave to us, you know? And that's kind of like if I bought somebody a pizza, I pay for it, give it to them. And all I want is just one slice of pizza. You know, it's like, you have the whole rest of the pizza. Like I just only asked for one slice. Like that's kind of rude if I came and got you a whole pizza and now you're getting to be blessed and nourished, but you don't even want to give me a slice. Like that's, that's rude. You know? (laughs) Um, And like you were saying, like with walking with God, like I've had that testimony as well as where, um, like I was sure earlier, like I was working in the airline industry, um, and when 2020 hit, like that working in the airlines, we were starting to hear about like flights being canceled to China, like in January, you know, and we were hearing about things early on where it was like, what is happening? You know, like something seems a little bit odd. Um, and I just remember God talking to me about getting a second job. And like, mind you, I'm working in management, a Fortune 500 company and here like living living good. And God told me, you know, to get a a second job 
to prepare, like just start to build up some money, you know, build up some, you know, build my accounts up. And so I did, you know, where it's like, I'm a manager. I was a manager during the day. And then in the evening, I was what I thought was supposed to be a customer service position, end up being a delivery position, like helping out this catering company. And they actually needed like people to be making deliveries. So I'm actually running around doing deliveries at night where it's like during the day I have this leadership role. Um, but it's like, even in that, like, um, I think kingdom kind of your finances requires humility. And even those times of where there is plenty and there is excess to have humility, to know when to save, you know, it's like Pharaoh, um, with the story with Joseph, um, it's like he had to have humility that, oh, wow, Egypt is doing great. There's going to be a time where it's going to experience some famine, you know? Um, and the Bible talks about, you know, not that it's impossible, but that it's harder for rich people to enter into the kingdom. And um, I think when you look at it, a lot of it has to deal with humility, you know, not having the humility to think that, oh, I have these material things, but I still have a need for God. And even the things that I do have, it's the grace of God that I have it, you know, and having that humility that God could take this away at any moment, you know, and he, out of his goodness, chose to give these things to me, chose to give these resources to me. And is actually trusting me when there's other people that are lined up that want to be, they want to be trusted. They want to have this experience. They want to have, you know, financial wealth and all these other things, but to have that humility, even in the, when you are in a, a place of prosperity financially, um, conducting yourself in the kingdom with that way is having humility to give to others, to, you know, be generous, to be, you know, thinking outside of your own self and giving to the needs of others. There's a lot of times too in the Bible where it's, you know, like even Jesus, his ministry was funded by the different women entrepreneurs, different, you know, um, other entrepreneurs like in the Bible that were helping and giving to the ministry, how the church came together and shared and helped other people's need. Um, but if you're in a place of pride and you think that, you know, one, I guess on the low end, you think that you're you're in, you're poor and this is this is the as good as it's gonna get and that God's forgotten about you, like that's not conducting yourself with faith, with it, which is the currency of heaven. You know, if you want to get to some finances, first get the currency of heaven, which is faith. And then you will see some other currency in your life, you know, believe God for some things. But then on the other end, like being wealthy and not believing that, you know, you'll ever, that you can't get knocked from that high horse or that you'll always be that way or that you don't need God you know, that's not conducting yourself in a kingdom way. And that's not having humility. That's not having faith and reverence towards God. Um, so there's just like a lot of uh, layers when it comes to finance and being in the kingdom. There's spiritual matters too. When we talk about like poverty, sometimes a lot of that is related back to people's, you know, their spiritual health, you know, and what's going on and things that they've attached themselves to or things that, you know, on the bloodline um, and having to, you know, change those mindsets around, around how they look at their finances and what they believe God for. Um, and there's a lot of Christians that are living, you know, having 
um, poor or poverty experiences. And a lot of times it's just because they don't believe God or trust God in that area. You know, um, they just think, you know, they believe God for certain things that he exists, but maybe don't believe or have the esteem that God cares enough for them to bless them, um, that they would be well and that, you know, they would be a lender, not a borrower, and that they'd be able to contribute to the kingdom um, and be able to provide in that way. So that is so good. And I think if people, if you don't know what a tithe is, a tithe is a Hebrew word that means a tenth, which means 10% of your income. But people need to realize that if God wanted it all, he could demand it all. As you were saying that he, he gave us the ability in the book of Proverbs, I believe it says, uh, remember the Lord, your God, because it's him that gives you the ability to accumulate wealth. It's him. It's, it's only him. He gave us the favor to get the job. He, he woke us up in the morning. He kept us safe while we we're transporting uh, to the job. But sometimes we get in our mind that like, it's just me. I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who made all the connections. But I think people need to realize that it was God. It was all God. You know, you know, you you didn't deserve that job. You know, you didn't have the credentials. You know, you lied on your resume and you didn't get caught because of God's favor. So I think people just need to realize that it was because of God who was on our side. And that's why we're able to have the job we have. And I love how you talk about the saving part. So I believe 30% already is ready is, is fixed budget. So like 10% go to God automatically. 20% go to your savings because not every day is going to be a sunny day. There will be a rainy day. That you'd be like, oh man, like look at 2020. No one thought, <laughs> you know, everybody in 2020, the year of great vision is going to be lit. Look what happened. The world was shut down for two <laughs> weeks to flatten the curve. It was two years. And people who were just like living their best life, people who were not saving, they felt the brunt of it. But I think now when the light, when the land is prosperous, that's when we should save. Because that's what Joseph did. Seven years of, 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 plen of plenty. And they saved 20% those seven years. So when the seven years of famine came, they had something to draw on. But people just look like, oh, I can, I can, I'll save next year. Or I save next decade. Hey, I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So start saving like today. <laughs> Yesterday. And it's like, Yesterday. And give, you know, it's like he was able to give. And really it's like that stewardship helped save a nation like that saved the nation of Israel because his brothers and you know and his his father like that his family like they needed that food and so it's like the stewardship the God-led stewardship that Joseph had literally saved the whole nation of Israel which is you know the lineage that Christ came out of <laughs> you know and it's like that that's a big deal and it's like even now there's so many opportunities where us having good financial stewardship can help save nations. It can literally like help a city out. It can literally help, um, you know, change your whole family around. And so, you know, I just really want to encourage people to like really take their finances seriously. And if there's any way where it's like, you may feel like you spend too much, you know, um, you know, find, you know, submit that to God, you know, <laughs> find a different alternate route home, you know, because I have been there and the Lord 
He will help you. You got to unsubscribe for some emails. All right. Because they are trying to promote you with these sales, but it's not a sale if you don't have the money. Okay. And you need that money so that you can help so that you can be in a position to actually have a positive impact. And in like thinking about the tithe and giving, you know, because it really is a, a issue for some people with tithing. Um, some people, they don't trust, you know, where the money's going to. And to that, I say, well, if you don't trust how the money's being managed, then maybe that's not the church for you. <laughs> you know, like if you don't trust the leadership there, that should kind of be a red flag. Um, and, you know, they try to like tithe to a charity, but that's not what God said. He said the tithe goes to his house, you know, and, and whatever else you're doing outside of that, that's your giving but that's not your tithe. So we have to, again, stick with the word of God and what he says and not what we think is a good idea and what we feel like would be most beneficial um, is to his house. Um, And then two, financially, is just surrendering our emotions to God, be praying over any type of financial patterns, you know, that maybe what you grew up around sometimes, like if your parents were, you know, spending a lot or even if they weren't, you know, like they didn't feel like they had anything, that's something to be praying about. Like if God is causing you to have wealth, but you grew up in an environment where you don't even remember people having a savings account, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck or maybe on government assistance, then that's something you really have to go to God about and be praying and asking for him to be a father and teach you about finances because it's it it is important you know like our spiritual life is important and there is a connection to that with our finances and the bet the best tip to save is to have a separate account if it's all in one account then when it stacks up there if you're looking at that account to go spend like when you're like friday night and you're checking your account and it's got a bunch of money in it you're going to feel good and you're going to spend, but if your savings is in a totally different account and you check your checking, it's not going to look as good. And so you're going to feel like, Oh, let me be a little bit more um, responsible with how I spend tonight. And, but the good thing is that that money set aside and it saves and it's, you know, it doesn't make you feel like you have it, but it's there. You know, it's like they put that when they save that 20% in Joseph's store, I believe they, they they put it in storehouses, you know, it was, it wasn't like they put it mixed in. Yeah. It was in a separate place. So that that is so good. And then if you look at Pharaoh, I think sometimes like what you're saying to you, sometimes we get so prideful and we don't know when to ask for help. But Pharaoh, he had this vision, he had this dream, he knew the interpretation but instead of him saying that, you know what, I'm going to figure this out myself, he's like, I'm going to point Joseph to to figure everything out. So sometimes we got to realize that maybe I don't know how to save. Maybe my family didn't teach me. My friends don't know what they're doing. Maybe it's time for me to go ask for help. We need to humble ourselves sometimes and go ask someone who knows more than we do. Like, I don't know anything about investing. But will I start hitting up people when it's time for me to invest? Yes, because I don't know. So I'm not trying to lose my money, you know? So I think people need to realize that it's okay not to know, but it's not okay if you you know you don't know and you still don't ask for help. Yes, that's good. and that's so good. Like, 
we could get so much further in life if we would just ask questions. <laughs> and and sometimes too, it's like we think about finances. It's like one, God does not call for a, like he like jealousy should not be something in the kingdom. You know, so it's like if you're feeling any way like jealousy towards somebody else's finance, ask them, how did you get to this place? Like, you know, like, how did you get that Prada bag, girl? Like, what are you doing? Like, maybe is it like, oh, they have a, you know, maybe more lucrative career. Maybe ask about what the credentials are. Maybe, maybe you were interested in that career too, or maybe, you know, they can help you with the resume and like career development. Um but to just be asking people, like, instead of looking at, you know, comparing yourself to what other people have to just ask, like, hey, this is where I'm at. It seems like maybe you have a better understanding or you're, you know, a little more mature with your finances. Um, what is it? You know, like, is this an inheritance you got or what's going on here? But I'm I'm interested in this. What I like you said, like, this is a vision I have is to you know, be a support to the church, to be generous, to be able to have enough to enjoy spending time with my family, to, you know, have some rest time where I'm not having to work seven days a week and I can actually enjoy a Sabbath day of rest. Um, so how can you help me to do that? Because I want to do that because that's what the word of God says. And I think people need to hear that it's not a bad thing for Christians to have money. It's a bad thing when money has the Christian. And then that's when money becomes, that's what Jesus said. He said, you can't have two masters. You can't serve God and serve mammon or the God of money. You're going to love one and hate the other. So I think people need to like understand. We're not saying go, hey, go sell all your stuff and be broke. We're not saying that. You need money. The kingdom is fueled, like Tara said, through people donating into Jesus' ministry. And he was Jesus. We ain't Jesus. So support the ministry that you're going to. And I think people would say, like, I don't want to, I don't support the leadership. It's not your job to, to trust the leader. It's your job to trust Jesus. <laughs> and whatever they do, just make sure you know that Jesus will keep them accountable. However they spend the money you, you gave, Jesus will keep them accountable, either on earth or when we get to heaven and we get judged by him. So I think people always like try to talk themselves out of not to give. I'm like, at the end of the day, give and Jesus will handle the rest. Yeah. It's very important. So any other, this is really good. A any other thing before we go to the uh, next question? Um, no, just, it really is important for Christians to have money right now. Like if you look at the state of the world, it's, the Bible says that about Jesus, that the government will be on his shoulders. So we should not be in a place where as Christians, we're waiting for the government to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We should be out here being the hands and feet of Jesus. And a part of that does include having finances to do that. You know, a part of that, you know, requires having resources, having land and properties and things like that to help families out, you know, to help children out, the next generation, to help to even have a place to gather as a church. You know, the the city is doesn't care that, you know, we're a faith-based organization. They still want to be compensated for use of land, use of, you know, 
and you have a construction a construction company they they know they're building a church but they would still like to they have workers you know like they have materials that they need to get you know that requires compensation and so we should have that you know and god does want to and he does have it available to give that to us you know we just have to be in a place where we can be trusted be in a place where we believe him for that um because there really is a need um out there and we really have to you know be proactive about it and really be showing the light of christ and not just um sitting on the sidelines and waiting for others to do what god has called for us to do that that is so good i'm glad you said that because something popped in my mind that it was never the government's job to support people and like through welfare and all this other stuff. It was the church's responsibility. Like if you look in Acts, they sold everything they had and everyone who's among them was not lacking anything. But I think, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with the transition, but then the people in the church started lacking. So they went to the government. But I think there's people, it's like we have single mothers, single fathers that attend church, but we can't support them in any way because people... I wouldn't say they're not willing. Maybe they're too afraid to give because they do look at their bills. They look at their budget. The math is not mathing. And that's why they, they don't give. But if we just came together as a as the body of Christ and gave to our local churches, that's another item on the budget that it can be just single mothers or paying for children to go back to school or things like that. If we just came together and don't worry about what the money is going to be done with, just give, give and then God will make sure that is is spent wisely. Yes. And honestly, like some um, efforts that have come to my mind that I've heard of people doing is there's a comedian, um, Michael Jr. He's a Christian comedian and he like had tickets available for sale for a comedy show that was never going to happen. But it was like people can which he he let it be known like this comedy show is never going to take place. And like, it wasn't a scam. It was like, here's a comedy show that's never going to happen. People can buy tickets to this show and the tickets go to help. We're going to help this family who adopts all these different children and they needed a vehicle for the whole family. And so, you know, you could do that within your friend group, like, Hey, we're all going to go out to dinner. Here's this uh, restaurant menu. Everybody pick out what you would get from this restaurant, you know, and that amount that you were going to spend at that restaurant, instead, y'all go give that to, you know, like the church and or to like something that's going on. And then maybe instead you guys just get together, you know, and eat nachos or something at somebody's house. But that tab that you were going to pay at the restaurant, you utilize that money to put back towards helping someone else who they're still, you know, they're not even thinking about going to a restaurant there thinking about their basic needs, milk, egg, and bread, you know, those things being met. Like, those are all different ways where we can, you know, like creatively and intentionally, like, be supporting and thinking about other people and, like, how to help them. And just, like, having the mindset of, like, being blessed to be a blessing and not just, like, hoarding and enjoying everything God gives us just amongst, you know, ourselves and our household but like being a blessing to others as well with the things that we've been blessed with that's so good because jesus says in acts chapter 20 verse 35 is more blessed to give than to receive and i love what ian said um back 
when he said like we're too busy building the king other people's kingdoms but we're not building the kingdom of god there's people building the kingdom of starbucks you know how many people spend a thousand dollars twelve hundred dollars on a new iphone that you don't they don't need instead of giving that money to people who are in need they got a new phone that they're going to spend another 1200 two years from now and i think once we change our mindset like let us build the kingdom of god because every other kingdom will fall away every other kingdom will probably file for bankruptcy or something like that but the kingdom of god will last forever so let's always invest in the kingdom of god because the kingdom of god has been here from the beginning and has tried it's um it has been tested has been tried and has been it's still here so i think people just need to realize that let us put in all our efforts so to put in all our resources in the kingdom of god so my next question i this 2023, everybody's always dealing with friendships, relationships, singleness. So when we're operating in the kingdom, how should we approach singleness slash friendships slash relationships? Well, I feel like a lot of that's kind of been touched on too through through our story. But I think I think like it's the primary relationship in our life is with God. And so it's like, if you pursue God, that's going to be the foundation of you having a healthy relationship with other people. Like you're not going to be able to have a healthy relationship with others if you don't have a healthy relationship with God. And so the cornerstone of like, and even think about like the fruits of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, you can't have a good friendship with somebody if you don't have joy, peace, and patience, and love, you know? So uh, being in God is the foundation of every healthy relationship, whether that's relationship, relationship, friendship, uh, even in family, where it says, you know, honor your father and mother so that things will go well with you, you know? Um, I hope I'm not mixing up two verses, right? Is that it? Honor your father and mother so things will go well with you? Okay. Okay. Thanks guys. Um, uh, I just don't want to be making up scriptures here. Um, you know, but like, so God really, I, and two, it's like, you can see how much God cares about relationships because even if you, even if you go back to like what I was saying earlier about the 10 commandments, like, I, like I can't have a healthy relationship with somebody if I kill them. I can't have a healthy relationship with somebody if I steal from them, you know, like you have to uh, be walking in God's ways in order to have healthy relationships. So rather than invest, you know, going to this, this or that, or trying so hard to figure out things like just spend time with God, grow in God, go to church, read the Bible, pray, seek out, believers who you feel like, man, I really feel like they're walking with God, like spend time with them, you know, or ask, or like even how Tara was saying, if you see someone got something, you could just ask them. If you see someone, man, I feel like you're just walk with God. Can you, what's up? Tell me about that. Like in that verse that came to mind uh, earlier today or last night was that verse walk with the wise and become wise. And then the second half of it is something like walk with fools and suffer harm or something. It's something like that. Um, or walk with fools, become foolish. I, I don't know exactly what the phrasing is, but walk with the wise and become wise. And it's like, 
if you want to have good relationships, get around good people. And it's a, you know, it's, I, it ain't no coincidence. Tierra and I were able to start building a godly relationship from meeting each other, serving in the church, you know, like, so that's foundational. Go ahead and go draw close to God, go seek God. That'll be the foundation of you having healthy friendships and relationships in your life. Give me a word. It's like, I don't know the scripture, but it's like, um, it's like, if you want to have a friend, like first be friendly. Um, and I think like what you were saying, Ian, just, you know, being like in any relationship, like a friendship, um, you know, could even be within your parenting, like your parent, your relationship with your parents, you know, it's like some people, you know, you might be upset with your parents, but it's like, are you putting forth your effort of being a good son of a good daughter, you know? And then it's like with being a friend, you want friends. Are you showing yourself to be a good friend? You know, you want to be in a relationship. Are you, you know, healthy to be a person that somebody would want to be in a relationship with? So I think like, in all those ways, it kind of starts, you know, with you, like looking at yourself and taking inventory of like, you know, kind of where you're at. Um, Cause nobody's perfect, but I think like just being aware of what areas, you know, you may be struggling with, but then like other areas where you can contribute, you know, maybe, you know, like I have a friend, she's like extremely, sociable and she's really good with like um you know like socializing bringing people together you know and then I have strengths that are are different you know and it's just like but then we were able to get a revelation from God about our friendship and that that we're supposed to be learning these different things from each other and in that we've seen a lot of fruit in the friendship where it's not you know wow, like you're, you're not like this, you know? Um, but it's like, no, actually that's an area where you're good at. And I, you know, here growing and learning from you, but there's these other areas where I'm really good at and I'm here to help serve and, you know, you can learn from me and be good at that, you know, and that where it is, you know, beneficial not to be like, oh, I used to be looking what you can get out of somebody, but like to be looking to see how can you actually contribute? Because if you're always, you know, you say you want to be in a relationship, you know, you want to be dating or you want to be married, but you don't have, you know, a very loving um, personality or like a very loving as, what does it say? Like, like if you're a woman and you want to be in a relationship, but you have a very negative perspective of men. Like that's not really setting yourself up to, you know, steward well or to welcome a godly relationship. If you are thinking that, you know, men need to do better and these men out here and you're always like dogging men out, like that's kind of not, that's not very inviting for a man to be like, oh yeah, I really want that one. <laughs> you know, it's like saying like as a friend, if you're somebody who like, doesn't you know put yourself in other people's shoes and you you want to text back at, after you sent one in two seconds you know and you're not 
somebody who's cognizant that, oh, you know, they didn't text me back. Maybe they're really busy. Maybe I should call them and check in and see like, hey, what's going on? Like, how can I help out? Or, you know, just, you know, want to check in and see how you're doing. You know, then people want to be your friend. But if you're somebody that's just, you know, always assuming the worst or you're someone who you're always sharing personal information that people share with you, then people probably aren't going to want to be your friend or want to have you around as much because like, wow, all I did was just tell you (laughs) this small bit of information. You're telling everybody, like, I don't know if I can really open up to you and to have a friendship with you because I don't feel um, like it's a safe place to be able to share how I'm doing, you know? And Christians, we'll we'll tell people's business, you know, like in a prayer request, you know, like, yeah, y'all, I just want to pray for so-and-so, you know, this happened to her. And it's like, oh, dang, what? I can't tell her business, you know, <laughs> in your prayer request. Like, no, like if you want to be have friends, you need to protect and be somebody who's trustworthy as a friend, you know, not be someone that the enemy can use to discourage, <laughs> you know, and the same thing with um, relationships and just everything all around, you know. That's so good. And what I've realized if people... In any friendship relationship, in your season of singleness, you have to look for opportunities to serve, like serve your friends. Because if you don't serve your friends, if you don't serve your family, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to reconcile that you're gonna serve me as a spouse. You know, so I think the reason why your y'all's relationship is so beautiful is because y'all met because y'all were serving. <laughs> y'all didn't meet in the club. Y'all didn't meet. Y'all y'all met at the church of the Lord, and because y'all was serving, and I think. But people need to realize that if you want to have a relationship that lasts, if you want to have a marriage that lasts, if you want to have friendships that last, you always have to try to serve the other person. Even Jesus, the son of God, he came out of nowhere. I did not come here. I am the son of God, but I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. So if we're part of the kingdom and we're trying to emulate the 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 king, which is Jesus, it should be our heart posture to like, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to serve. You know? Yeah. Because I think it's like we get into these relationships or like even family, you know, even thinking about your own family. And we for it's almost like we forget the word of God applies to every person in our life. And it's like, oh, just because someone is your mother doesn't mean that you can't serve them and like help them out, you know, and help be praying for them and their salvation just because that's your mom, you know, just because, you know, that's your father, like that's a human person, (laughs) you know, like they have faults, they, they're still growing and they're on their journey, you know, and, you know, it's like the same for like with the spouse, it's like when you, um, like interact and things like that, it's like, I still have to look like Ian's my husband and more important than that, he's a, a child of God, you know, and I need to treat him like that and be thinking about that in the way that I interact with him, that he's very valuable to God. And so I can't just be talking to him any kind of way. You know, I can't just be, you know, I need to look at him as valuable. And it's like the same thing with all of our relationships. It's like, for sometimes we get maybe too familiar with people and that we stop 
honoring them or stop looking at them the way that God looks at them and stop valuing them the way that God values them. And we end up, you know, being more kind to strangers and more courteous to strangers. And then the people that you love and the people that love you the most end up experiencing the worst parts of you. But then a stranger, you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, hope you have a great day. You know, (laughs) then you get home and you're just like, you have no boundaries or self-control. You you'll lash out and be angry. But then at work, you don't ever you don't ever have a tantrum at work. You never, you know, have verbally or abusive at work or all these other things. But then when you get home, you're this whole totally different character. And that's not of God. And we have to be thinking about these people that we're in relationship with as valuable and they too are included in how God says to love God and love others as you love yourself. Like it's not there. There's not an exempt category for that. That's everybody. And so to not be too familiar with people where we stop treating them the way that God says to treat them. Yeah, that that is so good because you, you make a great point because I think sometimes the temptation to be familiar with people will creep in. So sometimes we were like, oh, I've been known so-and-so for 10 years. I don't got to really serve them or honor them anymore. We go all the way back. But it doesn't matter what happens in the past. What are you doing today? So I think that's important because, like, you know, y'all married going on three years. But if Ian did not pursue you the same way he pursued you in the beginning, you might start thinking some type of way like, man, I get, <laughs> you know, you start thinking some type of way about it. So I love how you you brought that point up because sometimes we do get familiar and we get familiar real quick. And we forget that our job is to serve and point to God the whole time. Yeah. Ian, anything you want to say? I mean, I think that that's, that's the importance of being like fresh with God every single day, because here, here's the quote, right? Don't get familiar, get fresh. Uh, <laughs> just stay, if you stay fresh with God, then God will tell you, Hey, you're, you're getting too familiar. You're, you know, like, Hey, you're not, why don't you do this? Or why don't you, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit's referred to as a counselor. It's like, if you're walking closely with God, it's like having a counselor with you, like 24 seven, like, Oh, you know, what have you thought about approaching the relationship this way? Or why don't you do this? Or it seems like it's been a while since you've done, you know, it's like you get 24 seven counseling access. So, you know, the, I think the a key to not, you know, like on our own, none of us is really going to treat anyone else very well, but with God, we get to, we enter into treating other as each other as glorious people because we learn God's ways because we're walking with God and we have the example of Christ. So I think, you know, a key to staying in God's ways is to just stay with God. Yeah. And just be asking God, like with all relationships to be asking God, like for a revelation about the people in our life, you know, because we are, very much, you know, like it's it. The spirit realm is real, and like everything that you may see physically is not 
all that that that's there and be asking God, like, what is here that I don't see, you know, like what, what's really going on here, you know, because we even see like with, with Judas, you know, Judas was around, he was hanging out, you know, but it was like, he was deceptive, you know, he betrayed Jesus. But even in that, there's not just the Judases, there's other people where it's like, you know, the Nicodemuses where it's like, they want to be a part, they want to be there, they want to be in in life with you, but they have their own hangups and to be asking God for a revelation rather than, you know, just cutting people off or having the wrong people around you to ask him to see, you know, what he can see in the spirit realm that maybe we cannot see to know like how to value these relationships in our life, how to approach them or, you know, even with singleness, like how to appreciate it, you know, to see like, oh, wait, you know, to see even our own selves, like, how, how are you doing? You know, I know for me, there's a time where, um, before we got married, like, way before then, where I was like, I'm, like, I'm done even answering to a DMs, like, don't talk to me. I'm not going on no dates. I, you know, just taking inventory, like, I know that I've had these, you know, dating experiences where I still haven't healed from. I know I have these things in my background and I really just need time to heal and to hear from God. And, you know, and God has told me, you know, the more I, you know, am available to hear from him, he would tell me some very real things about myself where I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, God, how come this hasn't happened for me yet? And he would like honestly tell me like, oh, you know, this about my heart or that about my heart or like, I need to make more room for this or I need to, you know, different areas I need to be cultivating first before, you know, something, you know, a blessing could occur because like the environment is important, you know? And so just having that, that those conversations with God to get that wisdom and that insight with relationships because a lot of times we can be um, maybe like fragile and, and sensitive and unforgiving, you know, even as Christians um, with in regards to relationships rather than having that kingdom conduct and relationships of, you know, one, having dialogue with people and not just having, you know, conflict and not resolving it. Like conflict resolution is something that needs to occur in the church, you know, um, and, you know, and not even looking at who people are in, in the spirit and asking God, like, what really is going on here? You know, this person said this, you know, this mean thing to me, you know, but do you actually want me to be in relationship with them? Because one of the fruits of the spirit is long suffering, you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like, if you're in a bad relationship and somebody's being verbally abusive, I'm talking about like, you have a friend, you know, and maybe they make a comment or, you know, you have a leader or somebody like that. And they're, they're just experiencing human frailty, you know, in relationship with you. And instead of cutting that person off that you're meant to be doing life with to instead ask God what's going on and how should I be reacting? And a lot of times God will show you. I've had people say things to me that are very hurtful, but then I was able to pause and God will literally show me they're saying this to you because they're heard about something else that happened. And 
you are reminding them of some, like you even just being nice could be a trigger to somebody, you know, or you, you just don't know, but God knows. And if you honestly will take the time to, you know, have gentleness, have kindness, and to have God bear the fruits of the spirit in your relationships, you'll see like little things that may have ended a friendship. You'll see that actually, no, that was petty. And that was the enemy trying to stop a kingdom friendship from happening. And those are the things that we really need to be mindful of um, in relationship with friends, um, in the church, romantically, and within families to, to not let um, like us just being human stop us from having a relationship with each other. Wow. So, so good. So our last question, I can't believe we're our last question, but I also can't believe we've been on here for almost two hours. So, or no, almost over two hours. <laughs> so our last question is, um, why is it so important to make sure that our conduct is kingdom minded? Um, well, that's, that's how we experience the kingdom of God. You know, like, I mean, this is back to the, the 10 commandments, but if I'm running around killing people, like I'm not, you know, maybe other people in the world will be experiencing the kingdom of God in their life, but like, I'm really not experiencing it at all. You know, like it's by, and it's like, when we, you know, it's not just financially that we build the kingdom of God, but it's through our lives that we build the kingdom of God. Um, it's by our lives that we seek first the kingdom of God. And that's, and if you look at Christ too, like him dying on the cross is, is an example of us of like his like willingness to seek God, suffer for God and, and like love even those who are hurting him. Like, and he was praying, he said, you know, God forgive them. They know not what they do. Like the example of Jesus, like I, I myself have the example of Jesus that helps me then to, to seek God, to pursue God, to desire God's ways. And so too, like there's that verse where Paul says, you know, what is, he says, like, follow me as I follow Christ. And it's like, so Christ is his example but then Paul by following Christ became an example to us. And so like, we have no idea who we could end up being an example for by us following Paul as Paul follows Christ and following Christ and seeking God. Like then someone I never know, like one of my favorite verses is in first Thessalonians four. It says um, like, it's, it's talking about like, kind of like living financially independent, but it says like, so then those who don't know God will respect the way you live. Um, and it's, it's like, I mean, all the time we're looking up to people, you know, when it's, it's sometimes it's not always Christian. Sometimes it's like, Oh, this athlete is such a good athlete that it makes me want to go play soccer. I don't, I, you know, like, just by seeing how good they are at doing that, it makes me want to do it. it. makes me want to try it. So it's like, we never know by us being an example to others, by the way that we 
follow the example that Christ has set for us. We never know how that will, will impact others and be a part of drawing others towards Christ. It's important so that we don't get distracted, that we live our life with the kingdom in mind so that we don't get distracted or like weary um, with what's going on in the world or end up being conformed to the patterns of the world because, and to receive the prosperity of God, you know, and to be thinking about his kingdom. Cause I even think about um, just like within like things that are common for women to do, like within marriage and uh, womanhood, you know, like in culturally it's like common for women to like complain about their husband or to, you know, complain about their kids and to, you know, be bickering or all these other things. But it's just like, in reality, like having the kingdom in mind, those things don't happen. You know, like you're not thinking about what somebody's not doing or thinking about how they're growing. You're thinking about, you know, wanting good for them, wanting you know, good for your children, like looking at things to be grateful for rather than things to complain about. Um, and in that, having that kingdom mindset, you're being mindful of the words that you speak too, because our words do have power. You know, the Bible says, um, it's Proverbs eighteen twenty one that the tongue has a power of life and death. And so by being kingdom, having a kingdom mindset, you're thinking about the words that you're speaking knowing that those words have authority. So it's like your the way you talk is different. The way that you even joke around is different because your words are not playing. You know, it's like you say that it might really happen. <laughs> you know, um, you're joking about it, but it's like, no, you know, like you keep calling your kids dumb and next thing you know, they're not doing good on their test, you know? Are you know just saying different things? You know, the car has been lazy. Next thing you know, maybe he don't want to do nothing. And then, then what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, you want to get three jobs? You know, but um, so it's like by being kingdom minded, it's like we're we're looking towards what's ahead. We're not focusing on what's in our current environment and even what's you know in the present. We're utilizing our words to speak life. And to not, you know, even utilize the rhetoric of the world and how the world speaks and how the world jokes around um, and how the world doesn't take seriously um, the things of God, you know, um, even like marriage. It's like sometimes like in the world is so common, you know, it's like with celebrities and like they have seven different husbands and wives and it's like get married, divorce, get married, divorce. Like it's a, a relationship and it's like, no, marriage is very serious. It's supposed to be the exemplified picture of Christ and his love for us. And it's like, he doesn't just pick us up and forget about us, be with us, don't want to be with us. It's like, he said he is faithful. He is faithful to us. So our kingdom marriages shouldn't look like other marriages. It's like having a kingdom mindset with children the world may think they're just like these small people that don't offer much to society until they can be consumers. But, and a kingdom mindset says, no, the children 
you know, suffer not the children to come unto Christ, you know, and that unless we become like these children, we won't even inherit the kingdom. And so it's like having the mindset of, you know, what does placing a value on what God values and utilizing the vocabulary and the language of the kingdom to see the kingdom um, purposes be fulfilled. That is so good. And to echo everything y'all both said is, is now is our job to exemplify Christ to everyone who meets us. Cause we might be the only example of Jesus. Our family members may see our friends may see people, random people in the store may see. And if you say you're a follower of Jesus, but you popping off on everyone every time, they're like, I don't know if I want to follow this Jesus. If he's going to pop off of me like that either. So I think it's always, you always have to remind yourself, like I'm a follower of Jesus. I have to act different. I'm not, I'm not a civilian. I'm a, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. So I have to make sure that I act accordingly since I've been called to be a citizen of this kingdom. Yes, that's good. We're not civilians. So thank y'all for coming on. Y'all busy people. Y'all married. Y'all could be doing anything. Y'all probably be cooking dinner if y'all wanted to. But so I thank y'all for taking time out of your busy schedule. So before we um, end the episode, do you have any last uh, advice or encouragement to everyone listening or watching this? Yes, my advice is to keep on listening to Edward's podcast. Yes. That's it? Thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even pay for that sponsorship, so I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. So if you haven't watched the episode before, we go through a game called This or That. I want to get to know you a little better. So I have five sections. Y'all going to have the same questions. So whenever y'all ready, let me know. Ready. Ready? All right. So this is for Ian first. Abraham or Daniel? I answer. Or yes, you answer. Oh, I, both. I have to pick one. You have to pick one. Oh, my gosh. Daniel. Okay. Tierra, uh, Abraham or Daniel? I would pick Daniel. I thought you, you was going to pick Abraham. Well, Abraham's your favorite. Man, Daniel's awesome. But he picked Daniel. You picked Daniel. So the next one, uh, Tierra, is summer or winter? Summer. Okay. What about you, Ian? Uh, summer. Okay. All right, Ian, are you the planner or go with the flow type person? Tierra should answer that one about me. Oh, no. Plan your own self. Planner. planner. Okay, Tierra, are you the planner to go with the flow person? Um, I'm more of a go with the flow person, but I've started to be more of a Th There's no buts. You're a go with the flow. <laughs> in the married couple, what I realized is always one and the other. I've never seen someone that's two planners or two go with the flows. It's always like a planner and a go with the flow. So when Ian said like he was a go with the uh, planner, I was like, yeah, so good. So the next one, <laughs> if you have to travel, would you rather do a road trip or take the airplane? I know what Tierra's going to say. I think it depends on the distance, but I would maybe say road trip. I would go on an airplane. You want to go on an airplane? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, last one, Ian. 
No, Ian, road trip or airplane? You said road trip? Road trip. trip. Okay. So, Ian, last one. Would you rather have something savory or something sweet? Savory. Okay. What about you, Tiara? Uh, Sweet. Sweet. Okay. So, let me see. I got, for Ian, I think I got five out of five. You picked Daniel, Ian? Pick Daniel. I got five out of five. Awesome, awesome. Oh. And then Tierra, I know I missed one. I think I missed two. You said Abraham, right? Or Daniel? You said Daniel also. Yeah, I thought you were gonna pick Abraham. So I missed two because I thought you you would say road trip, but you said airplane. I guess you're not patient enough. I guess you're not patient. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking around. I like to take the airplane too. I don't, and that has to be a straight shot. I don't like layovers or anything like that. But what's that the is, layover? Uh, then I have to leave the airport and then I have to come back in. That's just doing too much. That's doing too much. So once again, so I got three out of five for Tierra. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. And we got five out of five. So hey. <laughs> Um, so thank y'all for coming on once again. But before we end, I ask every guest who's been on the Saturday conversation to pray us out. So do y'all mind praying? So whoever wants to go first can go. And then um, the person after that will pray after them. Okay. All right, you start. All right, I'll start. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you much, so much for this time today, God. Um, we thank you for your servant and your son, um, Edward, for putting on this podcast, for stewarding this platform and this um, opportunity for us all to grow and to learn more about you, for us all to um, be encouraged by one another, um, to hear and share testimonies, God, uh, to reach out and to just grow in the things of God, Lord. I pray that you will just bless and profit all that concerns him, Lord. We just pray a hedge of fire all around him, Lord God, and that you continue to favor him um, and all those who are connected to him, Lord. We pray for everybody who's listening to this podcast, God, that you would meet them where they're at, Lord, that they won't be discouraged, but encouraged, Lord God, that they won't feel less than, Lord God, but that they will Feel and truly believe, God, every word that you say about them, Lord God, that they will believe every word that you have spoken about yourself, that you are the great I am, that you are the one and only God, that there is no other like you. You have no no rival. You have no equal, Lord God. And you, the creator of the entire universe, loves us and sent your only begotten son not to condemn us, but that so we may have life and have it to the full. Lord, I pray that your children, um, who you are just seeking after, who you are so concerned about, who you see, who you know, and who you care about, that they would receive you, God, that we will receive your love, O oh Lord, that we will receive your forgiveness. Um, we pray against God and we renounce any spirit of shame, any spirit of condemnation, any spirit of rejection, um, any spirit of depression and anxiety right now in the name of Jesus. It must fall at the blood of Jesus. It must dissolve and go away, Lord. We pray for a filling of your Holy Spirit that your people would know you, look like you, talk like you. 
um, walk like you and love like you. And we just ask God that you would just continue to have your way in our lives, continue to love us to new life, Lord, continue to help us to be alive and be vibrant, God, and continue to shine a light in every dark place, God, in our lives, Lord, um, because we know that your word says the darkness has never overcome the light. And Jesus, you are the light of the world. We thank you. We love you. We pray that you will forgive us and free us and that you have your way in our lives, God, here on earth as is in heaven. And we plead the blood of Jesus. God, I pray that everyone hearing this call um, would just receive greater wisdom from you. That us here and those listening would just receive greater wisdom from you, Lord, because we need it. Praise Jesus in your holy authority. Amen. Amen. So let me pray for you and then we end the episode. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful couple. We thank you for how you're using them for your glory. We thank you for how you're using them to build your kingdom. So we put everything concerning them before your hands, O oh Lord. We ask you that you continue to be with them. You continue to strengthen them. Continue to allow their uh, marriage to um, become closer and more tight-knit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We come against every attack of the enemy. We nullify it right now into, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We cover them with the blood of Jesus. We cover their marriage with the blood of Jesus. We pray that your spirit will continue to illuminate things in um, in their lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray against any generational curse. We pray against any generational poverty right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray that they'll be able to build generational wealth. They'll be able to build generational blessings in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray that is when it's that time for them to have children, that their children will be blessed. Their children that will um, serve you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray that whatever they uh they embark to we ask your lord let it have your favor on it in the mighty name of jesus christ whatever they put their mind to whatever they put their hands toward we pray in the mighty name of jesus christ that it will be successful for your glory we thank for how what you've done in their life we thank for how you use them right now and we just thank you for what's going to happen in the future we give you the honor we give the glory we say blessed be your beautiful name in jesus mighty name i pray amen well Thank y'all for take, thank y'all for tuning into episode sixty three of Saturday Conversation. Where can people find you, Ian and Tierra? You gotta find me at City Church. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Tierra Nicole, T I E R A N E C O L E, and you'll. Find me at City Church with my husband. <laughs> As it should be. Uh, do you don't want to plug anything else? Like any websites that you might be selling stuff on or no? Oh, you no. can find me on Etsy. There we go. <laughs> there we you go. The under the garden company, um, uh, selling faith-based artwork to help you grow in the word daily. Awesome. I'll put all the information in the description box below. Once again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm so happy and grateful to have both of you as my brother and sister in Christ. I'm so um, grateful for what God has done in your life. I'm so excited for what God is doing in your life. And I'm so expectant for what God is going to do in your life. I just want to let you know right now, for the both of y'all, the best is yet to come in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
So everyone, draw the conversation in the comment section below. Tell us what part of the conversation stood out to you. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. And if you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, follow. Hit the notification bell and give us five stars for this wonderful conversation. New conversations come out every Saturday. If you have any prayer requests, put in the comment section below. We love you. God bless you. And I'll see you next time.